1-9-A and it's me Gary P and of course the Prof Carl Riley he stays yeah, we, don't we, to, we don't have to boycott the show we just lurges into a false sense of security there we knew the whole time didn't we Prof you obviously heard and said you know what can't let these can't down. let the boys down I can't let the boys down of course we are still sponsored by Ocean Electrical fantastic guys always looking after us check them out google them get all your electrical work done by Ocean Electrical and of course we have less credit when you spend all your mortgage money at a wedding and mail it's less credit. You got your bank. So thanks to our sponsors, of course. And the pack show this week with Brad's are staying, of course. And we knew it all along. Uh, Eric, we might as well clear it up. We were 100% convinced he was gone. We got some slight info from some sources. I wouldn't say it, 100%. I would say I was 95. 95, where we... The sources were very, very credible. And I think he could have been talked off a ledge. You know, I think he was pretty much gone anyway, and he was told, listen, here's what's happening, insurances and things like that, and we were fucking despondent. Sure, it's only decided, I think, at half ten on Thursday night. That's how late that was. Ridiculous. So, uh, we're very happy that he's sticking around, and we didn't want to even think about it. We were sitting here thinking about the alternatives. We were like, oh. what are we going to do? So, at least we know we could be a preemptive strike now. We can actually put yeah. some sort of plan in place. But, um... Pack Joe, like we said, in the Jersey competition winner gets revealed today, Prof, and an interview with the Telepol persons and, of course, the Teleground staff. And this is my favourite interview of the year. I love people who are into their craft and who, <laughs> who are, appreciate what they do and they love what they do. This is a brilliant interview. I'm really, really, really going to enjoy it now. It's class. Um, and, of course, follow us on Instagram. And we've just reached 1,500 followers. So, Tales from the East Stand on Instagram. Follow us for loads of... Uh, cultured content proper culture yeah we're flying and the club itself hit uh, one million likes on the tickety tock <laughs> tickety tock 
Um, you mentioned there we got we got the ball persons, Gary. This is the biggest Tifties exclusive ever. I heard they turned down ten boxes of Quality Street. Twenty packets from of the sun. Premier Leagues. We offered twelve. Police siren emojis everywhere. <laughs> but uh, I'm seriously planning ahead with um, content. Uh, the last couple of months, really. Like two weeks ago was the end of April, right? At the end of April. I had every single show planned up to July 1st. All sewn up. What content were there? Unless you came up with something, then we could throw it on top. But we would have at least a minimum amount of content there. Last season, I was operating week to week. I See, it's, a, it's, it's, all about the, it's all about the structure, Prof, and the culture. We're getting sorted now. But we do have uh, a lot of stuff coming up. We've still stuff that we haven't recorded as well. And it's hard to kind of get certain people in certain rooms together. You know all about that, Prof. Unfortunately, oh. no Tuesday trivia this week. No Tuesday trivia? Are you serious? Uh, oh, no, man, I was actually looking forward to it. I actually, I actually avoided the Rovers Twitter just in case. Uh, it's because when there's Monday games, they don't ask me to do it because there's a lot of stuff <coughs> happening on the Tuesday. Uh-huh. So, back next week. But we had uh, we'd a big wedding on the weekend, Prof. We had Rob Lavelle's wedding, Rover's wedding, the trophy was there. The, it, was, it was great. It was great, crack. It was, it was one of the funniest weekends ever. It really was. And it was the funniest, it was, best man speech ever. Ah, it, it was non-existent. <laughs> um, you just talking about Rovers being 3-1 up. There was actually two Bowes fans there, and I'd never met them before, but someone pointed them out. I said, lads, now listen, just so you know, there's going to be this kind of round, obelisk, metal structure going around. Heavy. It's got some <laughs> writing on the bottom of it. And they were, they, they were taking it seriously. They were like, okay, okay. I was like, now it's called a trophy. <laughs> You're not familiar with it. And they were like, fuck off. <laughs> uh, but they were actually all right. The boss fans were actually all right. Rob said all the culties were getting pictures with the trophy, even though they didn't, didn't know what it was. Yeah, they had no idea what it was. No idea. Like, Sam McGuire looks different. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was brilliant, but... Good weekend, anyway. Drunkest top table ever. Drunkest top table ever, drunkest best man speech ever. At one stage, like when he started the best man speech, he was just like, You fucking, you. I love him. I fucking love him. I love him my babies. And then it just continued on in that vein. I don't think much was said. Listen, Keith is a great man, but if you choose him as your best man, you know what you're getting in for. Oh, man. You're, you're honestly, asking for trouble. Honestly, it was, I've never laughed so hard. <laughs> In, in, in all I life. heard you just had to wrestle him. We literally had to wrestle him. Some of the things just can't be aired. <laughs> Some of them can't be aired. But um, we had a brilliant, brilliant show last week at Joe Barnes. Joe Barnes was excellent, excellent, excellent show. Um, I'd say a bit of an old naughty devil back in the day. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I think he was. See those people getting online and talking about him saying they used to be on the piss and Joe. I'd say Joe was a bit of a devil. Uh, he saw me in the bar. Uh, before the Harps game then and the first thing he said was oh you, you got me in trouble the, the, the marriage comment no way you said but, it yourself uh, Joey no but he didn't say like uh, he it never is. said don't air that or off the record or anything so I, I took it to mean uh, no but he was only playing with me I don't think he actually got in major trouble but um, yeah no, got got some nice feedback to Joe 82 years as we said uh, we had this reply on Facebook from Adam Best, he said, Joe, a legend, witty, funny, and knows how to down whiskey. Oh, yes. As I learned to my expense once. Well done, Joe. Told you. And, uh, Mick McCarthy loved it as well. He said, uh, he didn't know he was going on. He could have had some great stories for us. Um, 
Unfortunately, I wasn't aware. I know he he mentioned Mika Wright in the interview, but I hadn't heard that in a couple of months, so I forgot that he name-dropped Mick McCarthy. So then when I was asking around for people to send in their birthday wishes, Mick wasn't mentioned, so that's why he wasn't on the list. But maybe you can get him on another time and give us some uh, famous Mick and Joe stories. Mick wouldn't be shy of getting on the old show now, a bit of publicity, would he? No, certainly not. Um, but yeah so some great feedback again with Greenblood he said uh, oh yeah and uh, a quick recovery to him punctured lung a couple of broken ribs yeah a cycling accident went schnotting <clears throat> on the bike so um, oh nothing worse than I think I've had bruised ribs a couple of times my god and do you know the thing don't go to a match if you've got bruised ribs that's what I'll tell you because in the south stand everybody smacks you in the ribs <laughs> to say hello so don't go to fucking games if you got bruised ribs. Crazy Aussies will hug you and squeeze oh, you. Oh, have you ever gotten one off <laughs> when, you, when we score? It's, it's fucking... It's the pain. It's outrageous. Um, so Green Blood, great show. Um, thoughts. Joe, some who we share blood type. Kevin, I have known. 25 years. I hope he gets good news soon. So Max not celebrating or getting a goal at a month vote early. Extended my hospital duration. Brill. Bradley has to test himself sometime. No steel claws needed now. By the way, Bravo is best when you dunk, not tonk. In, with some lovely Jacob's cream crackers so tonking is a uh, it's, it's gone viral prof I think it has yeah at the, at the I think it was at the Sligo game <clears throat> I had Tommy Tarmy behind me and then at 3-1 he was like is this it prof is this, is this the tonking <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, was, he was constantly saying in the chat as well um, also you know the picture of Joe protesting yeah, the yeah, Dons yeah. we used that for SoundCloud I was thinking of photoshopping that to say fuck off Lincoln <laughs> yeah. that, that would have been good but, um, yeah and we had Sarah Wheelhan oh Sarah Wheelhan yeah she's <coughs> tried the Twin Peaks chocolate bar we're, we're trying to get another sponsor out of these um, she wasn't a fan of the uh, she wasn't a fan of the fruit and nut prof well I didn't try that I knew I wouldn't like that so I'll give that back to you but I liked the other one it's definitely, definitely something you need to try. Get it, mm-hmm. get it involved. Uh, one place to start, though, Prof. At around ten AM Friday morning, the, the surprise announcement came on the website. Stephen Bradley says during the past few days, there's been much speculation about my immediate future. Shamrock Rovers head coach. I would like to thank Lincoln City for expressing an interest in speaking to me about their vacant managerial position like every other manager and coach I one day have an ambition to test myself in different countries and at different levels of the game. But right now, I'm very happy to stay and continue my work at Shamrock Rovers. I love this club. I feel that our work here is not yet complete. The exceptional squad of players that we've built and incredible fans makes me feel so hungry that we have a real opportunity to achieve more success at home and in Europe to match the ambitions, targets that we have set ourselves as a club over the next few years. I'd like to thank the chairman and the board for their counsel over the past few days. We have a few, we have a huge few months coming up to starting with tonight against Home Farm and are against Finn Harps and myself and our players are ready to go we'd also like to extend our massive thanks to Tifties, Gary P and Prof who have been instrumental in my decision to stay at Shamrock Rovers so uh, great stuff Prof he basically stepped up to the mic and screwed I'm not fucking there. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> the Wolf of Wall Street memes were McPhail just there going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Wall Street memes were out in force weren't they he used the word council there that includes players because Ron Finn gets a mention here. Mm. Like Finn are actually involved in helping him pers- persuade him to stay. Like that speaks volumes to how much the players huge love and respect. Pros and cons were spat out, and I decided we were more because we were we were convinced he was going. We were kind of just saying, "Oh well, here's all the here's all the pros. Here's the guy. Here's the fucking cons, right?" Because we were just being nice. He goes to Lincoln six months in. 
it's not working out and he gets the sack, he won't get a job in England again. He'd be very, very, very lucky mm. to get another job in England. And, and anyone that had to take a chance on him. Do you know what I mean? And what if his replacement at Rovers is doing well? And then he's nowhere to go afterwards. He might have to go into the merry-go-round in the League of Ireland. Plus, there's so many other things that you have to think about as regards to continuing on his work here, what he's built, group stages, massive push for Europe, bigger budget, and then to go to Lincoln and to absolutely start from scratch, which, hands up, you kind of do have to do when you go to a new club, but I think it's not his time yet. And look at this. How old is Brazzer? 37, mm-hmm. right? Like look, look at the managers that are around now at the minute that are only getting their first big jobs. Do you know what I mean? Like there's there's a couple of managers out there who are only getting their big jobs in their fifties, and they're starting to do well. Like the, he has got so much time on his hands. Yeah. Managers don't even start managing until their forties, forty five now. He has so much time in his hands, so much more. Well, he, like, give he, us another five years. But he retired early. It's not like he hung up the boots. True. In 2016, he was retired a while. But still, I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot to be said for it. But um, you mentioned other people, Joey. I, I said to him, finish those badges because we need we need him to be ready next time. Go on, for this happens. Um, in fairness, Joey called it. What did he say? Joey, I was I was talking to Joey like, what do you think about this? Do you think he'll go? And he he said he reckoned it was fifty fifty. Hmm. Because nothing had been announced and had gone on a week, he said normally these things are decided in advance. And then it's decided when to play out in the media. The wealth of knowledge, isn't he, Joey? Man, uh, no one saw this coming. But Mystic Meg O'Brien, in fairness. Mystic Meg O'Brien. I was having yeah. breakfast in a Newport hotel. And I stayed in Newport the night before the wedding. Didn't want to drive down on the day of it. So we were sitting there having breakfast. And it was me missus who turned around and she goes, Gareth, Brad's just staying. I was like, fuck off, Larry. I'm not in the middle. <laughs> I was a little bit hungover with a couple of points and I was like don't I'm already in the height of it please she goes fine don't believe me and I was like oh she's honest she's fucking serious then check it out we're just there going yes fucking I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe it the whole day was just set off the tone was set then oh it was amazing I was in work skipping around just telling everybody even people who don't even like football he's staying he's staying they're Bradley's like he's staying okay who is who is Bradley <laughs> Doesn't matter. He's staying. <laughs> but um, we're doing a we're doing a thing for the fifties hotline next week, where uh, fans have to write a song, and Fed himself. Never been so happy to delete a verse of the song I'd written about Bradley leaving. <laughs> fuck Bradley. <laughs> fuck Bradley. <laughs> fuck Bradley. <laughs> it must have been quite funny for people listening to the podcast. Say if they wait until the Friday. I think it was Giggsy was saying those. Imagine listening to that after the announcement because the podcast was like redundant at that stage. So it must have been weird. Certain Junior Hoops head honcho sent me an all caps message. Yeah. Delete the podcast. <laughs> oh, but everyone was just so happy. Uh, the joy in all the WhatsApp groups that the Ayatollah of Bradley Ola was staying there. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, what a roller coaster of a week. Just. For, for us and for Brazzer, because another factor was Brazzer's grandmother had passed away. And he, so he was only at the funeral on the Thursday morning, I think. So we were kind of looking and thinking, okay, is that why things are delayed? Mm. And obviously that's, Brazzer had a loss in the family as well. That's There's a lot to consider. There's a lot going on in the background. Like his wife might have a good job. Mm. His kids are in school, settled at the academy in Rovers. 
I'd say their happiness is massive as well. That's like 10, 75% of it. So he's probably sitting down thinking, are my kids going to be happy? Who am I going to have for company over there? Me and Cronin or whatever. What happens next? Talk it out with your family. Is it the right time? Financially as well, is it worth going over? You know what I mean? So, listen, I hope we yeah. fucking true. I hope Dig Big DD got the phone call. I'd say he was twiddling the moustache. <laughs> twiddling the moustache. Twirling. Twirling it and just thinking, hmm, how much will I get? Why, why, is, why, is he, why did I use that voice? <laughs> why does Dermot Desmond sound like this? Why? Well, we know the balls hate the twisty moustaches. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, hopefully he threw him a few quid. It was mad, isn't it? Three days before all this happened, the word Lincoln would have meant nothing to us. Our biggest worry was, how do we get Berkey in our starting level? That's what it was. We, we were thinking, he was undroppable. Now, now he has to be dropped. Now Danny's in. Them two are, are having a right old battle this year, aren't they? Danny we were, or Berkey. We went from that to losing our manager to getting him back again. Just a wild week. And uh, it's a quote from Brian McKenna there, Gary. Brian McKenna, lad opposite reading the star. They think it's all over. It is now, yeah, pricks. <laughs> so, um, as you mentioned stuff. there, you had that accident. So, we, uh, best, um, or sorry, speedy recovery. And on that note, I want to give a shout out as well to Eamon Keenan's grandson. You may remember Eamon Keenan was... Also, just before you move on, we're going to try and make him laugh as much as possible. Brian McKenna because laughing is extremely painful when you've got sore ribs <laughs> so is bending so is breathing so is sleeping so we're going to do our best Eamon Keenan prof Eamon Keenan former club treasurer uh, his grandson fortunately has been a bit sick hasn't been able to get to the games so uh, grandson Patrick so uh, also to you uh, young man very very young child we're talking here so uh, speedy recovery yeah to Patrick so other sort of reaction to Brazzergare that you can recall um, I am just Dush Jerry said uh, Lincoln hasn't been shot down like this since John Wilkes Booth <laughs> yes <laughs> and then yes. we had John, Dan Fodham weighed in with his expertise on Lincoln everything all this shit going on this was Dan Fulham's summary of the situation. I was in Lincoln for three hours. Looked like a shithole. And the McDonald's was shy. Convinced us. Brazzer must have read that. <laughs> hands up. Not going. And hands up. Who was lumping on David Healy in the boogies? Uh, who was doing it? Who got a lift to Cholester? Cholester boogies. Was lumping on David Healy in the boogies. <laughs> oh, stop. I'm going round every bookies. I'm gonna put loads of money on on bookie on, on on Healy and every bookies. You know who you are. Um, but yeah, no, I love this club and we have unfinished business and it feels right to stay. He told Tony O'Donoghue, "I'm gonna to have to have a little bit of music here in the background, prof, like epic." <laughs> so it's uh, I'll have to challenge myself at some point at a different level, a different stage, a different country. But right now, I think we've got a strong group of players, and we're not finished in what we're doing. The players have been brilliant. We had chats during the week, and I was open and honest with them. I had a really good chat with Ron and Finn before I made my decision. Skips getting in on it, prof. I was really, it was really good to get the players' point of view. We all respect each other in the dressing room, players and staff. All week, we kept them in the loop of where I was and what I was thinking. I love that. I love a manager who can turn around and talk to players and include them and not cast them to the side and say, you're a player, I'm a manager, there's a devoid, we cannot take back and forth. I, I, as like, I, I feel delegation as a manager is brilliant, being able to communicate, I find that brilliant. I think Carlo Ancelotti 
did it most recently in the Man City game. He consulted Marcelo and Tony Cruz on a substitution in extra time. And he asked them for their opinion. They're players. They're senior men. They know about the game. He asked them, he says, who do you think, what do you think we should do? I think that's brilliant. It shows everyone else has something to bring to the table. That's how I feel. There's always something you can learn. Always something you can learn from someone else who has an opinion. I really, really do believe that. And I think that was brilliant of him. To actually let people in to his circle and say, right, guys, what do you think? When decisions like that are made, I, I don't know, I've never been in the dressing room, but I imagine when managers leave, it's just they decide, then they call the players together and say, I've decided to leave. Yeah. And they tell everyone at once. Whereas I can imagine Brads were doing this. I can, like Even Danny Mandroyo said it. He just he kept us in the loop all the time. And he's just being honest with them and says, well, here's where my head is at here. Mm. And this went on over the course of four or five days, isn't it? Now, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but some people could see that as a weakness. You know, they could see that as, oh, well, there's a certain line you can't cross. I don't believe in that at all. I think it's bullshit. And I think that being able to speak to your players like that and confide in them doesn't show weakness. It shows respect for their opinion. I think there's a couple of ways you can look at it. The players absolutely worship <coughs> the ground he walks on. If this incident doesn't prove it, I don't know what will. Even though some of his critics are still trying to claim that anyone can manage this squad to a league. Uh, look at what's happened this week. Yeah, Brilliant. Um, With Eric Brennan, prof, my young lad got to school to ring his mom to collect him because he was sick. Turns out he had a dose of Stephen Bradleyitis. And after hearing the news, the gaffer is staying. Our little guy feels much, much better. So hashtag Ireland's number one. That's brilliant. Brilliant. And I was saying it to, I was, I was saying to Jaden. I was like, yeah, Jaden, you know, like Brad's are crowning. They're probably going to live. More than likely. He was like, boy. I was like, yeah, they're going to Lincoln. He goes, what's a Lincoln? <laughs> I was like, exactly. What's a Lincoln? What's a Lincoln? Uh, another call from Dan Full. He's, in a, he's on fire this week. He told Rob Lavelle at the wedding, he said, I won't forget this day for the rest of my life, Rob. The day Bradley stayed. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Remember that quiz question we threw out? Uh, doesn't matter now, but manager leaving in the middle of the season and Ooh. the team still going on to yes. win the league. We we, a, who, what do we get back? We had a couple of suggestions. We had uh, Barcelona 2013. Uh, this was Brian McKenna said this. He said the manager was ill and then... Uh, his replacement came in, still won the league. Uh, Woody pointed out Roy Keane of Sunderland. Ah, oh, the ever knowledgeable Woody. Uh, brilliant. That's the best one mm. for me. That's the winner. That's mm. amazing. They were relegation zone, 20 to 24. It was only position. five games in under Niall Quinn. They lost all five games and it, they looked hopeless <laughs> to turn that into a title winners. Literally won the title, didn't they? They went up mm. as first. Um, yeah. And it was a fun fact. Do you remember that interview? On uh, the Lincolnshire radio station. And yeah, yeah, that dope that tried yeah. to get in touch with us, was it? It wasn't the same person, now, but Mark McCadden was on it. Mark McCadden, by the way, conveniently missing in Tata that night, keeping his head down, because he's the one that broke the story. Oh, yeah. Everyone was kind of watching, keeping up date with him. Um, but do you remember one of the hosts pointed us out that Lincoln have only ever had one manager from the Republic of Ireland, and it was in 1965... Uh, Con uh, Molson I think his name was he's from Tipperary and he was a kid man and he had retired from football 20 years earlier no coaching no managing nothing he was just a kid man their manager got sacked midway through the season and he was a shock replacement he played 3-4-3 formation eyes to the left eyes to the left 
Lost all eight games, conceded 21 goals, and then he went back to being a kid, man. That's <laughs> so they kept him on. Back in there, <laughs> get them shorts ready. So Brazer is not going to England, Gara, but more importantly, what about Roddy? Mm. Because remember, Roddy sat where you are sitting right now. And he says, I'll be back. I'll be back in England. I'll be back in England. Maybe it's Lincoln. Plastering fucking <laughs> prisons. Maybe it's Lincoln, yeah. Lincoln Reserve Coach. Big shout out to the Carlo Hoops prof. Uh, they got in touch as well. And I said, is this Woolies mob? And they said, no, it's their own little gang. So big shout out to Carlo Hoops. Travelling up and down. That's what you want though, isn't it? People coming from all over the mm. place. Come to see the champs. Carlo Hoops, give us a big shout out to these lads. Fair play. Let us know if you want to get on one of our buses in the future. And uh, so prof. Yeah, I saw the Carlo Hoops flag in Mulligans before the... Oh, what game was Bowes? And uh, yeah, fine flag. So we're getting to know uh, all these different supporters group groups. Was Common, Carlo, Tipperary, Fjorder. Yeah, we've the Cork Hoop, that absolute headbanger that we met in Boleslav, and then he turned up and turned your in. Oh, that was so bizarre. And he was driving a bus. We were on a way trip to Cork, and he drove by in a double decker bus. I think he just drove by us and beeped the horn. Hello. We were just like, did that really just happen? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so we probably did a nice little fundraiser as well. Yeah, uh, we raised 250 quid, was it? Yep. That went to the Owen Cost fundraiser. That was thanks to this jersey competition, so thanks to everybody who entered. We uh, also have a four-baller prize, which... <laughs> which I, everyone was very excited Everyone about. excited, yeah. Some certain hoops said they've never paid for a four-baller before in their life. But... Um, so the four baller went to Paul Murphy. So congrats. And we have another one. We have another one of a two baller this week for Castle Lock Golf Club. And that is going to go to the second goal. So I'm promoting goals here, Prof. I'm promoting the goals. I want to make sure that we always get it. And um, so Forrest gets the cash this week. We're back to cash prizes. And we have second goal is a two baller in Castle Lock Golf Club. Very nice. So if you'll recall, the quiz question was... How oh, just so you know... The match itself, Mick Bourne's Legends versus the Leech Legends, ended 4 all and they lost 6-5 on penals. So, uh, it, it was a great, great day. There was... Bradzer played, did he? Bradzer played. Um, uh, we had all the Legends. There was Lowe's Darrow, Mark Kenny Beach Boy turned up. There was a, There's a brilliant photo as well. I'll send you on the photos. So, they had a great piss up afterwards as well. Yeah, Mick Burns interviewed about it in the programme uh, this week. So, check that out as well. If you remember, the quiz competition was how many... Different Rovers players have played a competitive first team game since the start of the 2009 season. I'm just going to throw it out there that I had no input in the the answers or the picking of the winner. Sorry, what do you mean se- picking se- of the winner? Pi- sorry, may, I may have may have made a mistake there. The the choice... You oh, don't it, pick a winner. <laughs> the winner come and, comes and claims his prize through skill. Too skill. There was so a process, yeah. So probably going to hit you with it now. So how many different players? So now, if I had to put more research into it, I could have got a better boy. I skimmed. I now skimmed a lot it. of people, nearly every single answer was in the hundreds, right? I think and once I put my answer in, and another person kind of in and went in and around it, a lot of people kind of went twenty or more up or down. Yeah. They didn't push the boat out. So you're talking what thirteen, fourteen seasons? You've also got to consider the Leinster Senior Cup. I did mention Leinster Senior Cup, and that was an important one. Think of the likes of Thomas Town, 2017. Pretty much everyone in that team never played for us again. 
Leicester, a lot of those players. So fucking ma- Thomastown would have bumped it up 12, oh. fucking 15 players. A lot of these Leinster Senior Cup ties, they didn't play a league game or even a league cup game for us. So a lot of these guesses would, prob- would probably be the league figure. So 40 entrants. Like I'll give you the lowest was Keith, 93. Then Connor Foley, 98. So I'm going to skim my way up here. So you got 134, Emma Wheatley. There's Brian McKenna again, 147. Leighton Doyle, 152. Woody, 158. Still too low, Gar. Gar mm. Brennan, 169. Usher, 174. Sean Cook, 182. Ray Senior, it was his idea, this whole thing. He was curious. He he accosted me in the game on Monday and said, what was the answer? Mm. I said, you'll hear on the show. Lips are sealed. He says 192. <sighs> no, it's higher. Now, only six people went higher than 200. Give us a six. Gary Cosgrove. Right. Cosgrave, 200. Gray Merrigan, 201. And James Lowe also said 201. Paul in the Golden Gold Shot. Who's that? Paul Lynch. Right, he said 2-11 Right It's second place it's, now No that's third So we're still too low second Then place. we have Bill Gleeson Oh Bilbo Gleeson The, the man who Who actually has the info In front of his face He couldn't add it up 223 Still Too low Bilbo Takes one on the chin So the man who went the highest Hold on, Prof. Come on, give me a, I'll give you a drum roll. Are you ready? So the person who has won the signed jersey from he the went, league winning team. He went the highest and he entered first with t- 231. Kieran Gentleman. And Prof, tell me. What's your relationship with this young man? We are minor acquaintances. <laughs> minor acquaintances? He's been <laughs> you and Pro- I believe you and Prof are minor acquaintances. <laughs> he worked, uh, he's been on the show. Uh, this fella before. purely like this is prof has dragged Kieran to games. He's pretty much Kieran used to wear all random jerseys in work, and I go, "Give me a minute, I'll get it." I'd be looking at the jersey, and be like, oh, "Who the fuck is that?" Because you wouldn't know the crest that you'd see it from abroad. There's always one guy who wears loads of different jerseys, so you have a bit of crack, and you're trying to guess it. And then uh, ended up prof just dragging him along. Now he's fully fledged. No, fairness to him, he's been a fan for a long time, but he's just been he's been proper diving into it now, going to Tada every week season ticket holder in the last couple of years especially so uh, but, but you'll hear from him now in a minute uh, you'll hear about his top process how he came up with the number so here's Kieran. okay we're here with Kieran Gentleman making his third appearance in the podcast uh, becoming a bit of a media tour there Kieran. but uh, in your defence you don't even know why you're here so uh, yeah. I've asked you to sneak out of work for 10 minutes and I'll reveal what it is we're doing here should right. explain all this secrecy can I ask you to empty the contents of this plastic bag right here. Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> 231, you guessed. Uh-huh. Not only were you the first entrant, but really? you got it bang on, correct. Really? 231 was the right answer. I thought I went wrong there because nope. uh, I was going through my list of players I had to save my phone. I noticed I had Desi Baker down twice, so I thought I went wrong on one of them. But I don't know who I missed then in that case. Well, tell us your workings then. How did you come to this number? Um, 
I use transfer market mostly uh, from 2009 up to the current season and um, that was useful enough until I realised pretty quickly that um, it doesn't include the Tanta Cup or Lecce Senior Cup so I had to Google um, all the kind of the years that Rovers took part in those competitions and look for like the specific results so I had to type in I had to look for the specific match reports. So your mate MacDar Ferris was a big help with extratime.ie, he done a lot of those match reports. And like they did like the the lineups at the bottom of those reports and um loads of players I never even heard of and I was kinda of doubted if they're if they actually did play or not, if they counted. But uh thank you they did. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those players like never made an appearance again, so that's why I never in a million years expected anyone to <laughs> to get this correct. Only six people out of forty went higher than two hundred. Oh really? And you were the highest, and uh, you were bang on. It was, it was so funny when you sent it in, and I had to bite my lip for two weeks and not say anything. I was, I was just blown away by this. But yeah, uh, I think Gary said in last week's show that um, there was one particular guess he thought was way too high, and he said 153, and I thought that must have been my guess. So that fuck, like, I messed it up. So, uh, any plans for this now? Are you going to frame it or what? I'll have to frame it now, won't I? <laughs> just don't put it on eBay. Never. Never. <laughs> Does this just add to your happiness now, uh, Mr. Bradley is staying? Oh, absolutely, I'm over the moon with it. Absolutely. And you're at East Ham regular now, you'll be there on Friday. Prediction for Derry? There tonight, I'm there. Friday night, I'll be there every week, hopefully. So, yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, he really delved into it. Yeah, like he went on the transfer mark, he went on That's the, the one extra I used. time. That's the one I used. I didn't do as well enough, obviously. In fairness, like, who else was willing to actually go on to extra time that he and count up? Like he showed me his, uh, showed me a screenshot of his notes. Like he actually physically wrote down one to two hundred and thirty-one. He must have been in sheet shoot one, was he? <laughs> must have been in a handy one. Where, where does he work? Sorry, no, I, <laughs> I don't know where he works. But uh, now, congratulations to care. I never in a million years expected anybody to get the figure right. I thought get within fifteen or twenty at best, and um, I asked Kieran for a prediction at the end there. I don't think he heard me. Uh, he told me off air 2-1 he says 2-1 win for Rovers tonight or sorry Friday and uh, yeah not a coincidence he won I don't think because he's a smart dude put the work in got the rewards doesn't have lunch with Carl every day and work or anything like that so well uh, he works in <laughs> works in different buildings so we uh, we can't have lunch right so we beat Finn Street 3-1 on Friday the team was Sean Hart, Gary O'Neill. They were rested for the first time this season, and the uh, rotation started to come into play, Prof. Yeah, um, that meant that Grace was now the only ever present left in the team. When I say ever present, I mean only one to start every match. There are a couple of players who have featured coming off the bench. So that left Grace on his own, and then he ends up missing Monday. So once again, this season. No players who have started every match. Yeah. Brad's at the con on LOI TV. He says, like, sometimes you get sometimes you get a feeling that we're not quite finished and we've got that feeling. We feel there's more to come from this group, more to come from us as a collective, and hopefully we can prove that this year. So Conor Garth's got the curry early in the second half, Prof. And uh, Con says, if Graham falls silent for 30, 40 seconds is because he's eating Ray's curry. He's got a gob <laughs> full of gorgeousness, Prof. It's actually not the first time that the Dundalk game as well. They gave the curry a shout out. Absolutely so fantastic. They're stuff. loving the curry, and uh, I was sitting beside Orla in the in the bar beforehand. She just goes, "Brads are curry and points. What more do you want?" 
It was um, quite funny because I was at the tipsy table, you know the one beside the bar. Yeah. And I was all on me lonesome. And I I was just looking around, I was like Yeah. And everyone was like like, Oh yeah, where where is everybody? And then gradually the whole table just filled up. It was like they saw their opportunity. And most most of us were owning the dance floor in Mayo. We we <laughs> fucking owned that dance floor in Mayo. So prof, you had to make some new friends. Well, not new friends. It just I had McDara, Joe's, all the Hopkins family, all that stuff. Yeah, it was quite nice. They all just joined in the table. They saw they saw all the empty chairs. Uh, Jim came by, Jim Conroy, and he goes, "You know what? I regret mentioning Bovril on the podcast because everyone keeps slagging me now about Bovril." <laughs> he's uh, he's more yeah. a media heart than me now at this stage. <laughs> and uh, as I was texting you, Gar, I was a hundred percent convinced. Of the Tonkin. I was... You know me, Gary, I made one or two bets per year. No more. I don't do two euro accumulators. No, you don't mess. I make one or two bets. And everyone was on the same wavelength. I was in the jacks. And I just hear some fella saying, like... We're, we're due to hop off someone. And you know what? Brads are staying and all. They'll be flying. Yeah. We're going to hop off these. I was just there thinking... 100%. Um, I'd say I'd say I'm gonna guess your bet minus one, seven to two, seven to two, four or more goals. Oh, you got it! Fucking beautiful. What you get a seven to two? So prof is up again, and once what's, again, what do you mean I got it? We won three one. Four. That's four goals. Three, no, three. we scored. Oh, okay, okay, no. okay. I, that, <coughs> I was unlucky. It would have been a cop out if I said four in the game. The idea was us. T- Tonking someone. It was, and did you yeah. get the chant going? Did you get the tonk, 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 tonk? tonk, 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 tonk. <laughs> no, but just at the end, you should have seen me, Gar. I was there loving. After half an hour, I was like, "We've got an hour to score a goal. I've won this bit." And then just bleeding, item out in the post, two off the line. The camera had cut to me during that half. <laughs> if you had seen my face. I was. <laughs> absolutely f- and I started off the day in a fail mood because I thought Brazzy was leaving and then he stays and then I end the day in a fail mood but uh, yeah into the game itself Gar <coughs> yeah we'd 1-0 um, Pico Lopez and um, and now Lasher into the net good ball in it looked like a fail looked like a fail from they Gaffney. were claiming the fail it was they? it could have been any other day it could on have the been. goalkeeper yeah. and Pico buries it and we've been uh, championing him for a while now we've been talking about Pico getting a goal and he gets it scoring buried scoring with his foot absolutely smashed it in it's so unusual isn't it excellent stuff from Pico and 1-0 Harps actually had two great chances immediately after this goal we are we are letting them in you know we are letting teams in so that's what my big worry would be coming into mm. into Europe in particular Um but we 2-0 on Danny 20 minutes prof um, was, this was this was the one with Gaffney where he takes it oh, in absolutely stunning goal passes it around the corner for Gannon that ball from Gaffney he took oh. out like three players took out the whole team absolutely whipped in by Gannon it's obviously out overshadowed by the Jack one mm. but this was this was a beautiful beautiful team goal and chested in by Danny so excellent diving mm. Chester very powerful cross from Gannon. Like well, wasn't probably wasn't easy to get on the end of it. No? Absolutely whipped in and buried by Danny off his chest and the like we said the ball around the corner. Man. Oh. oh, it was super. But I'm not sure if it was this one or the third one. But did you ever read Harp's Twitter? Yeah, I like it. I think it's very yeah. funny. 
like Dan McDonald was talking about it on Eloy Sandro. He was talking about how they're very us against the world sort of thing. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. They actually got fined 200 euro for a tweet. What? Recently. I don't know which one it was for, but they got fined for a tweet. And. By FAI? Yeah. Because it says. Uh, it uh, actually was a 3 0 one, yeah. It says, Mandrayu nods home after he appeared, in all caps, to be in an offside <laughs> He's position. carefully here. And the best part was 58 minutes. Report from the front line. We are under siege. <laughs> and uh, there was another one, I think, was the previous game. I think they just go, Brendan Clark is trying to fight Luke Rudden. <laughs> that was their update. <laughs> I think. I'm familiar with the guy who does it. I think, I think I follow. I think we follow him on Twitter, a separate account. He's very good. Three um, 0 Danny, twenty eight minutes, and this, um, this this was one of those things where we were. I think I I could have been. I don't know. The speeches were on or something, and I think someone whipped it up on Twitter, and the collective groan from the table was just like <laughs> ah. Everybody's just like, what the. Fuck just that? 50 lads going ah. absolutely disgusting pass no right to even attempt to whip it in he whipped that in from nearly the halfway line and he put it on a fucking tee for Danny and then he just buried it absolutely outrageous pass of a ball I'm sure like everybody like we've watched this back 20 times this isn't he didn't hit this in hope he's hitting this like this is gonna go exactly where I want it to go and I have to say like even when, I, when we were watching it back I was laughing at the commentary I thought it was brilliant oh Gareth's Gareth's is just yeah. so good like, man ah oh, stop yeah like the ball only <laughs> left his foot and Gareth goes ah oh, stop yeah I was just like fuck him he's brilliant he's yeah. just a he's just a common yeah. man's football man isn't he he's just yeah. he's a real fan like we, we, yeah. he gets it like he's been in the stands he's played the game ah <laughs> oh, stop fucking brilliant absolutely <laughs> outrageous pass so that's two wow. Danny Headers and that's a 11 minute blitz of three goals Garrett so now at that point of course we're all thinking oh well this is a 5 or 6 nil game um, it was described as scintillating football yep. Zinedine McCann leading the front line in the middle of the park was he, very very good he was excellent he was controlling the game his distribution was uh, brilliant never gave the ball away in his first start of the season remember Cabo a few weeks back in his first start, we both gave him man the match. Yep. That's impressive fitness levels for those two to come back, play their first match and be man the match. Sharp as fuck. That's what that is. Sharp as attack. Being able to be that sharp and stay sharp. It's ridiculous. We had a Welsh referee. It's one of those round of games where it's all the Welsh officials. Did, did they let them have it? Did they let them have it? <laughs> one of those things. Remember the, the scraps in the last one? The Laffians came over. <laughs> yeah. Just short of punch in the head off each other. So we were... Also, for a tonking, primed, if you will, for a, for said tonking, or so we thought, but then... We were all tonked out, unfortunately. Um, 3-1, Tourish on 31 minutes. Um, how was there no more goals after this? Oh, it's, it's unfathomable. But we move on to the second half with a Maku prop. Well, what do you think of their goal? Um, which one? Oh, I can't, I'm trying to think back to it now, prop. This is a very, very uh, drink-filled day. He, he drilled it in from the left side and your and your man came in f- with like a, a quick header. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we, I think we watched that in the apartment. Now, you have to remember, 12 Rowers lads had booked a couple of bedrooms in a big apartment, so this was one of those days. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. yeah, second half. Uh, Gavin Mazuna there, by the way. In the, he's in there for the two games. Hanging out in the West End. And uh, and then these chances. I mentioned them earlier. Amaku couldn't have done much more, really, with this one. Did everything right. Uh, goes a quarter of an inch the other way and it's in the back of the net. But it comes back off the post. And then there was another one with a towel in Amaku where it was cleared off the line twice in succession by the same defender your man who scored Turish and uh, it was just it was one way traffic especially the first 20 minutes of the second half it was relentless but then after that the game just fizzled out and nothing happened really it's one of those things isn't it but it's there's never really like we never really generate an atmosphere against Harps we do our best mm-hmm. but it's just one of those things isn't it the strange this run is, I mean, the run, I say, as if it's a big issue of us not scoring four goals. It's not really. It's about winning games. But I just can't believe it's still going on. How we not hit four against someone at this stage? And, uh, yeah, Barry Cotter on the right-hand side. Your favourite player? Well, the attacks did keep breaking down on that right-hand side. Well, what annoyed me was... When they, when they break down 10 times on that side and Cabo's on the left, why not use Cabo then the odd time? Isn't that the definition of madness though? Keep doing it even though it's not working. The only thing it's I can like think us. of is Cotter is the sub with the fresher man. So is the strategy to use him? Well, you not switch it up and go to the left. Yeah, true. But they, once again, like they're probably just trying to work out a game plan and play to their strengths and think this is the fresh guy, let's get him on and see what happens. Mm. But it's more for you, prof. No, I mean, I, not a single cross or pass came in for him, so I just wish we had mixed it up. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention the the dark match on Easter Monday, actually, was there was a break in injury time in that game where we broke, and there was a gallop from Cotter. He's fast, I give him that. that it was so funny. It was he, impressive. Also really funny. He throws balls long, and he's very fast. Yeah. So, attendance was... 4,687 Nice Nice nearly 4,000 that's, that's a good attendance Prof We've got to be happy mm-hmm. with that um, Yeah Saw a couple of people there as well uh, Jerry Fitzgerald um, Fortunately becoming a team In this podcast That people have been unwell uh, He's been in the hospital For quite a while And he said that This was his first game Since last year And uh, he, he thanked us For keeping him going With the podcast Anytime Jerry Anytime so that was That's nice what we're here for Is it? So, great to see him at the game. And uh, another man we hope is, is on the mend. Uh, Huberman, very complimentary to the podcast as well. He was in there somewhere. Couldn't see him, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, Huberman is real, by the way. All you kids out there listening. He is real. Saw Webby. He, uh, he travelled despite not being uh, able to play for the rest he's, of the season. Uh, is he on the crutches? No. Oh, good. Good stuff. On crutches. So at the start of the day, I'm dreading the Bradzer post-match interview. Because I just thought, oh, this is going to be awkward. He's still in charge, but is he going or not? And then with the news... Were you else, thinking of going, uh, so... <laughs> you going? <laughs> <laughs> and then when the news is announced, it's like, yes, can't wait to interview him. Yeah. Great. So, uh, so we do our interview. Uh, Graham is, is, is my cameraman these days. And... Uh, and when we came in the room, I heard a little noise. And 
you know when you're kind of like you're talking to Brazzer and Graham, but you're not you know, I'm not really registering what it is. I'm hearing like a low pitched person talking. So my my the logic in my brain is like I must be someone behind the wall mm. just speaking or so I just blew it off. And then I'd hear it every now and then, sometimes I would hear, sometimes I wouldn't. So then we set up the interview, we talked to Bradzer. I don't notice that sound anymore because I'm focused on the interview. And then we stop. And then we hear it again. And then Graham's like, where is that coming from? Like, what is that? And we're all like looking at, even Bradzer's like looking at the floor <laughs> and all like. And then I do copy. And I'm like, fuck. So I tried to make a breakaway. I, I walk out of the room. It's like, I can't, don't want him to see this. And then Graham points and he goes, it's coming out of your pocket. <laughs> it's your little recorder. You talking to Tony O'Neill. So the whole, my one. So the whole, oh, my time, hum, the whole time I'm talking to Bradzer, you just hear, oh yeah, Tony, so uh, the rose. <laughs> and Bradzer broke his bollocks laughing. So I'm glad I could give Bradzer a good laugh after that uh, roller coaster for a week. Good stuff, good stuff, bro. But uh, go on, so the next one up. Prof, this is brilliant. This is my favourite interview of the year so far. It's Billy and Kieran, Tallis Stadium ground staff. Tell us a little bit about this. Now, Prof, these are not your normal ground staff. There's science involved. There's the love of grass. There's the love of groundskeeping. This is an amazing interview. So tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, science is the exact word. There's a science of this. And they love their job, don't they? I've been holding that fire on this interview for two months because I wanted to air before a home game. And um, yeah, it's pretty, I don't no, don't wish to say to set it up. I think I'll say more when we come back. Uh, the audio is uh, yeah, it's fine, but I just wanted to say that I used two recorders, and you know it's like we're, we're standing on the pitch in Tata, like we're on the center circle. So you can imagine any sort of snarl of a wind there, you're gonna feel it. Mm. So I'm using two microphones. One is like crystal clear. And doesn't matter how far, because Kieran is very active, right? He's like he's he's turning and which made made the interview better. You know what I mean? Like Visually, he, yeah, because he's like he's pointing at things in the ground and or in the surroundings, and he's getting excited. It made for a better interview, but he also kept moving away from the mic. In so, prof dying inside. Yeah, so that that mic that picks up everything is grey. Doesn't matter if you moved away, you picked it up, but it also takes in all the fucking wind. But the other microphone, the Afro mic, blocks the wind. So I had to use that because some of the other microphone was inaudible. The wind just ate parts of it. So I used the Afro mic. But it doesn't pick you up clearly when Kieran does his little wandering. So it was heartbreaking Doing for his me. groundskeeper dance. It was heartbreaking for me having to choose between those two. But ultimately it was like, okay, uh, go, the, go with the one without the wind. That's the end. But yeah, we'll talk more about this when we come back. But also, I would like to say that this type of thing where professionals have a bit about them. Like, these guys know their craft. They're into it. They love it. But they have good personalities as well. So this could even be like a little podcast or like a little vlog, a little five-minute vlog that comes up and what they're doing with the pitch because they have a bit about them. They're interesting guys. So um, I think they were delighted to be able to, to share this stuff because... It's obviously underappreciated. It's not really talked about. Like mm. I say in the interview, most fans just come in and assume the ground will be in pristine condition. They don't know what goes into it. Grass grows, you cut it, play football. Yeah. That's it. No, wait until you say this. 
So just to explain what you're about to hear, the first five or six minutes is just me talking to Billy on his own. That's for the documentary. And then after that, we kind of start a new interview. That's about Billy and Kieran. So here it is. Uh, Billy, can you describe uh, this land, the Tata area and community in the late 90s when stadium fans were only being announced and it was still developing? What did it look like? Well, in the 90s, it was belonged to the Parks Department uh, of the, the council. So there was football pitches here and uh, we, we had Gaelic pitches and we had soccer pitches here. That was in the 1990s, yeah. But before that, it was all just uh, land for farming before the council ever got it. So we always knew this as farmland. And then when the council got it, they developed the park, which is beside us there. And then, as you know, then this was handed over to Rovers. And I think in 2009, that's when it was handed back to the council and that's when we took it over. Any personal memories from you when this was just uh, dirt in the ground? Yeah, yeah, there was a great uh, local club called St. Mel Runes. They used to play here. And my son started out here when he was five. So we had fond memories of here before Rovers came. Yeah. Did you used to pick potatoes here on this patch? We, we did when we were kids. On our summer holidays, this was belonged to uh, a farmer called Foxes. And uh, this actually, uh, this area here would have been a huge potato field. How long have you been head groundsman at Tata? Well, I suppose since Eamon took her over, Eamon Hartnett, he took her over five years ago and he approached me then. But before that, I was, I, it was Killian Bourne that looked after it. But I've been always involved in it from the day it opened, from looking after it. Like uh, Killian would make the decisions on it, but now more so it's myself and Kieran that make a lot of the decisions when the work is done. What memories do you have of the first night, uh, the opening night, the emotions involved? Oh, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. The crowd that was here, it just it was something different in Talla. Talla never experienced anything like this before, so it was a great opportunity for people in Talla to see exactly what was coming on the doorstep. So, and, uh, and as far as I'm concerned, now we've walked, everyone loves it up here. And we've seen some incredible nights here. Obviously, European giants have been here. Leagues and cups have been won in front of a full house. Yeah, yeah, some great nights here. Absolutely. One, I suppose, would be the, the Milan game. Like, you know, the atmosphere here was absolutely... There wasn't too many here, unfortunately, but it was a great night, yeah. And like, even just last Friday night here, the atmosphere uh, on the Bowes game, was electric, electric. And which uh, Milan superstar paid you a compliment on the pitch? Oh, a brave image. <laughs> oh, he said it was as good, uh, better than the San Zero. Yeah, yeah. So that was quite nice, good compliment. And what's Stephen Bradley and the management staff been like uh, dealing with you during this time? Yeah, nice guys, real nice guys. Stephen always compliments me on the pitch. Stephen McPhail and Glenn, Glenn Cronin. And even Jose, like you know, Jose can be a thorn in my side because of the, the, the warm up with the goal mouths trying to keep grass there for the games, you know. Like the last thing you need is Alan slipping because there's no grass underneath his feet. So it's always a struggle, but he's a nice guy. He has a job to do and he does a good job, yeah. Yeah. And what does the stadium and Shamrock Growers mean to this area, mean to this community? Oh, it's huge. 
huge. Everyone, even in the local pubs and all, uh, people are always talking about this the, the stadium, and uh, it's just brought a, a, a new lease of life to Tallaght. To tell you the truth, yeah, it's what Tallaght needed, and it's paid off big time. When we, as you know, we host internationals here too. This is the women's national team uh, home ground. So that's a huge compliment for me and Kieran here to have them here and other teams. And our, uh, like we, as you know, we have the seven days here now next week for three games. So yeah, we're pretty happy with what we got. <laughs> and I'm sure the people at Tala and Rovers are. And how do you feel? How does it make you feel the role that you've played in this? Ah, oh, delighted with it. Delighted. It's like having your own garden. It just uh, every morning you come in, you you'll always have loads to do here. But all there's never you'll never be sure you're walking here, never. Considering where we came from, like we just discussed, what this area looked like over 20 years ago, can you believe the point we are now with three stands, a fourth one on the way, the nights we've spoken about? If someone had spoken to you 20 years ago, would you believe this? Never. Not in, not, it was just a great opportunity I got. I was in the right place at the right time and I was always into gardening. And the guy has seen that, so it, it, it went from there and then I went and I done a pitch management courses. So that, that helps a lot. And now Kieran's going to college, so like we're on a winner. <laughs> and the new stand will be just to your left there. What will this place look like when it has four stands? I'd say it's going to be very impressive all right I'd, be, I'd say uh, there'll be some great nights to come so, well hopefully there will anyway okay, we're here with Billy Mullen and Kieran Cornwall they at the Tata Stadium ground staff and uh, the three of us are standing on the centre circle here of the pitch as we speak I've only ever looked at this uh, pitch from the stands but this is your view every day isn't it you guys are here <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is the afternoon the Sligo game yeah, it's match day. Uh, what's your day like on a Friday? A very busy day. We start at 7 in the morning and it takes us roughly 6.5 to 7 hours to get pitch ready and finished, handed over. So it's a pretty busy day, yeah. Match day is busy, Karen. Absolutely. Weather depending, if, it's, if there's rain involved, it turns into an absolute monster of a day. You have to try to juggle getting the paint out in between showers and so on. So, weather permitting is everything in this shop. What's your favourite and least favourite part of match day from the morning right up until 10 pm when the game finishes? Um, least favourite, probably painting. Painting the pitch, it's the most stressful part of it, maybe. The most required detail. Favourite part would be cutting the pitch, always. It's the easiest, really. Definitely Lee's favourite would be painting for me. Probably Billy's favourite. <laughs> He's that good at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get used to it. That's it. And Kieran will have to get used to it. <laughs> and where do you watch the game from? Always. Down at the yellow box down there. Always yeah, in the west stand. Yeah. That's our toolbox there. As you can see, that's where we keep all our tools. And uh, yeah, that's where we stand and wait to get out at half time. And, get out before the game starts as well. We need 15 minutes to do a bit of repair work from the warm-up. So we try to get as much done before the game kicks off. Then we get out at half-time, same thing again, and straight away after the game, get them goals out. They have to come out after every game. So we've just had four first-team home games in the first five weeks. This, of course, coming after a long 
off season and then we don't have another one for a month uh, all the 19s and the underage teams could be playing soon but what's it like when there's a lot of action and then not much action does involve different preparation different challenges <laughs> there's never not enough action here <laughs> it is constant you, you mentioned something there we just come off a long off season it wasn't for us we had internationals and we finished on what December the 12th yeah. last international very next day we're into the real work scarification overseeding aeration we don't stop we never stop off season is probably more important for us than on season it's when we get the work done it's how we keep the grass green in a sense the grass always grows as you say Billy oh it always grows yeah never stops growing <laughs> and temperatures as you know the, the eco system it, it is actually getting warmer the winters are getting warmer here and so that's we're, we're able to oversee it now in December which is a very rare thing to do they developed this new seed that will grow in 4 and 5 degrees so that's what we use here now at the end of the season to help us to get ready for the new season whereas we, Kieran says we just don't get enough time but You've been here since the beginning, since the opening of Tala uh, Kieran, how long have you been here? Uh, this is the fourth year, third or fourth year this yeah, year. Yeah. year third full season so absolutely loving it listen, it's an amazing space to work I feel I'm blessed to be working here it's you don't feel like you're working. It's it's amazing, you know. It's something different every day. It's always busy, always learning from Bill and college learning there, learning the science end of it. It's it's amazing. Absolute credit to the place. As we spoke about earlier, Billy, you're a native of Tallow. You remember when this was just a field? Kieran, you're originally from from Wicklow, but now you're living in Aylesbury. Yeah, that's right. Ah, oh, look, even since I've come here. Four year, five years ago, this stand was only constructed. The place is flying. The women's national team, the crowds are huge. It's getting bigger and bigger. I think it's going down a good path. They're a decent team as well. Rovers are obviously flying. Trying to break records this year for the third in a row, is it? Three in a row. Three in a row, yeah. never yeah. done before. So oh, they've done it all right. Yeah. Or have you? Yeah, yeah well. That shows how much I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm a United man. But yeah, no, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. This obviously means a lot to you, Billy. You're a Tata native and a Rovers man, so you've seen what this place has done for the, for the community. Oh, it's huge. Absolutely huge. Everyone, everyone enjoys this place. Everyone. If you can't enjoy yourself up here, I don't know why you can't enjoy yourself. Because the atmosphere here for some of the games is just amazing. It's obviously a full-time job looking after the, the best pitch in the country uh, and there's a science to it and it's, it's a passion for you guys, isn't it? It, it sure is a passion, yeah. And thank God Caroline's into the science end, <laughs> end of this now. So it takes a huge amount of me, huge amount. Where I was having to carry a lot, a lot but now Caroline is here, so he's sharing the board. Thank God. <laughs> Happily sharing the board and it's amazing. It's Listen... There's a lot to be said for working somewhere you like to work, you know, it's, I worked in a warehouse for years, I was always indoors in a high stressful environment, you come out here, yeah it gets stressful but all you have to do is look around you now, how could you get annoyed with this, you know, it's amazing, absolutely amazing place to work, I could never imagine doing anything else now, never. Talk about the work going on in the off season, what's the biggest jobs ever been done in this pitch? Oh, well, lads, we've done huge work out here. 
when when do we do this Billy? Uh, well what we've done here yeah. since we've took over this pitch we've put all new drains in which is um, the drains run across the pitch all the main drains and then we put what we call gravel band in here we put it in three years ago and we put 120 of them drains in so that's that's there's an awful lot of work involved in that the next big work that we do here is resodding a lot of the gold mounts yeah. they constantly need resodding and uh, but just to keep Variation. just all this what, yeah. you're, what we're, we're standing on all needs attention there's not a part of this pitch that does not need work. When you're when you when you think about it, this pitch we put what is it, two hundred and seventy ton of sand out in this pitch through the playing season every year. So there you can see the ten ton behind you there, we've put twenty ton out yeah. a week and a half ago, like it, it it's constant. But our biggest problem is trying to fit everything in between the games. We have a program to run off every year via foliar feeds, aeration, maintenance weeks, all set out on stone every year and then we have to juggle it in between all the games. And the games just never ever stop. <laughs> you know, literally. Which yeah. is great, we're not complaining, it's what keeps the place going. But that that's the battle of a greenkeeper, you know? Absolutely. The pitch in Milltown in the eighties was always described as a, a carpet or a snooker table, that sort of thing. A man named Sherlock used to look after uh, I think you hear similar descriptions nowadays from players, media, fans about this playing surface. So it's always nice when someone compliments it. Yeah, it's a huge moment for us here because it feels it makes us feel good, and the company we work for, they know it's what it is, and uh, yeah, we get great compliments, and it's nice to get compliments, especially when you see what we have here. How big were your heads after uh, the Zlatan compliment? Massive, still is massive. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that one to the grave, with us. <laughs> literally. <laughs> like that again. We have Europe this year again. Thank God. And mark my words, this pitch will be the same yeah. all day long. They'll have the what finest we're of a pitch. Now is for Bradley to bring them to the group stages, <laughs> so we can have some real European nights here. And he should do it. He has got a good midfield this year, so we're hoping. We're yeah. Pleasantly waiting. And the football Brazil likes to play, this team likes to play, like a good pitch is an absolute must, isn't it? So the management team often express their gratitude, don't they? Yeah, of course, yeah. They, every match, every single match you'd hear from Steve and Steve McPhail, Bradley, the yeah. Glenn, they always pass comment on it, always say, what is the carpet? It yeah, looks yeah. like a carpet or something like that. We love it, look. It's like anything, you put the work in to get the little pat in the back is great, you know, so it's that extra bit for us and it gives us that bit more to go on for the next game. Because there is days when you come in here, like after last season when the pitch got invaded, we walked in here the next morning and it was, like, that was one of the hardest moments for me because we just knew we had to turn it around quite quickly and it's when you get a pat in the back, everyone respects the ground happy days and I'll just mm. say before you finish there and we're still suffering from that invasion yeah, we compact uh, zone over here where the grass is struggling very hard and that's where a lot of people had gathered that night and the ground got so comp that he actually killed a lot of the grass and it was a shame really mm. so uh, and if you look to walk over you'll see the areas over there that are still struggling to come back and we've spent 
weeks upon weeks giving these attention. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take a little bit more care than I think. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there, but we'll the each invasion can cause huge damage. The Ultras won't like me asking this question, but was there any flare damage? Not on the pitch as such. There's always flare damage outside of the pitch. Yeah, uh, over at Bowes here, they wrecked it no, the last time. No, that was Pats. Or Pats, sorry. Yeah, Pats. Um, wrecked it the last time. Yeah, it's annoying. But, like... Yeah, can, and our hands are tired. Yeah. We can't go near these flares when they, yeah. they throw them out. Because uh, for insurance reasons, health and safety, we have to wait till the fire guys come along with their buckets and they could be down in Tala Village again they get up here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, and it's, it means what, what we have to do is we have to take that area out of the pitch and then we have to put a new area back in. Look, and that's constantly doing that for, for the atmosphere that they create every game, it's, it's worth us showing us out in. If they could relax showing them in, it'd be great. So yeah. show them. So we understand, you know, it was brilliant. We were talking about the management team expressing gratitude, but I've seen the players kind of have a chat with you on the pitch sometimes. Do they take an interest in your science and how this works? Oh yeah, one or two of the guys have come out to us and asked us, how do we do it? And uh, they were so impressed when they came here. Sean Holden, was it? Gaffney. Gaffney and... uh, Someone else. Sort of chap there. Oh, yeah. so uh, a chap there from Dundalk. The two of them from Dundalk, weren't they? Yeah, I can't oh, remember I can't who they were. It's but then he, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they asked us about it and they were very impressed Sandy when they came Neil here. They asked us about it yeah. at one stage yeah. towards the end of last season. They just, uh, like, they, they, they see the damage that they cause and when they come back the next week, that damage is gone, it's all repaired. So they, they, they know like that we put the effort in and get the pitch ready for them yeah uh, reading your interview with Robert in the program he makes a good point that because this pitch is always in pristine condition fans might take it for granted and they might not give it a second thought when they come into the stadium is that kind of the life of a groundsman that people will rarely praise it but if something goes wrong they'd be uh, quick to complain well I suppose they would really but it's not an awful lot that goes wrong here in all fairness, we've never had a match cancelled yet, uh, which is one of the biggest things. Our biggest fear is when we're playing in Europe, when European uh, referees and the delegates are here, that all our lines are straight and that the right thickness, the goalposts are dead plumb, everything. Water. Uh, we have the irrigation mm-hmm. system working. So, yeah, look, we haven't failed yet, so we're highly go- we Failure, we don't do failure. Yeah. <laughs> we doesn't. don't do it. <laughs> Listen, for someone to pass a comment out uh, from the stands or someone that doesn't know what they're talking about out here, you, it just goes over your head. You know, we we know the science of it. We know it's going to work. Not your to man down there the last time, yeah, uh, that got to me a little bit. We were only after overseeding, and it was about 45 minutes before the game, and we were coming along here for something. And for me now, looking up the pitch. All I could see was runs of brand new seed. Uh, one of the best pictures I've seen of the pitch. And there was some man in the stands there screaming at us and he said, What the fuck are them lines all over the pitch? It's disgraceful. It looks terrible. <laughs> I was nearly going to jump the wall at him. <laughs> Only Billy said, Forget about him. You know, for us, like, that's, that's what we're saying. Look, 
he was saying with the state of that what are the lines we're looking at and saying yes we're in our grass is up we've new seed that for us is a dream you know it's always very dicey when you're putting seed in the ground whether it comes up if it all comes up in one swar there's a lot of factors involved so to see what that fellow was giving out about for us to see it was the golden ticket so (laughs) that explains that really you know and if anyone's listening every year we put an average of a thousand kilos of grass seed on this pitch yeah. And Tata Stadium doesn't actually need rain because the stadium has its own well. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us where is the well, uh, where is the tank located and how many gallons it has? Well, it's under uh, Block B in the east stand there. Oh, yeah, that's the east stand. Yeah, yeah the east stand. Oh, and west stand. Sorry. Oh, sorry, the west stand. That's where the well is. And Block P in the east stand is where the tank is. And the tank uh, is a 10,000 gallon tank. And uh, Kieran, you're studying pitch science in college, so uh, have you brought that knowledge into your work uh, day to day here? Uh, look, yeah, of course I have. It's, I'm not bringing any new knowledge here. Billy has it all. It's just what we do is we. This year we're changing things up. We're messing with different machines, verti cutters. We're going after meadow grass a bit more intensively. It's it's not come from college in fairness it's coming from our employers they're backing the pitch here they're investing again they're investing in machinery and bio stillments for the grass new program new foliar feeds for me and billy it's it's what we've been looking for for a long time now so yeah the college is another element it's it's given it's helping me understand it more more than anything billy has the understanding we have other Ashlyn, who is a level eight horticulturist. Yeah. She's at an el- the elite end of this, so she's in helping us out. We have a lot of different elements in here, so it's just ma- making it all, bring it in together, and making it work. You mentioned meadow grass there. That's the bane of your existence, isn't it? it? Is, yeah, yeah. Meadow grass is a nightmare. It's an invasive grass. Pretty much ties into what Biddy said there earlier. What happened when the guys trampled the ground when they done the pitch invasion is it kills the grass off and what, as soon as you leave a patch of dead grass or so on, you you can be goddamn sure meadow's going to fill it for you. So now we have that big problem there. It's everywhere. It's lateral grass. It makes the ground f- feel bouncy sort of and it it's not aesthetically looking good either. So. We're going after it this year, and we're going to beat it. <laughs> all the new machines. All yeah. the new machines. All yeah. the new machines. And you guys have rules on match day, don't you? Like, mm-hmm. You have a few like no hot drinks allowed on the pitch. Uh, nobody's above these rules, are they? No, no, definitely no. Not even me or Kira. Definitely not, because as you know, uh, anything hot drinks, especially hot drinks. If you do drop a hot drink on the pitch, it scalds the grass. The grass is dead. So that's and it's not a nice thing to see people it's just it shows the lack of respect yeah you know? yeah like you wouldn't walk into someone's sitting room in their new carpet with a cup of wine there ready to spit it everywhere you know like this it it's just it very rarely happens but if it does bill be chasing you down <laughs> end of story <laughs> you know and then you have players warming up behind the goal that's important as well that they're not doing drills with fast footwork on yes. the pitch yeah 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 as i explained to you earlier on uh, the warm-up can cause so much damage on the pitch 
like when you have a group of players in an area and you like uh, say 20 players come out to warm up 22 players maybe that can cause an awful lot of damage but now the lads it's been good it's year, been yeah. good we've, we've been able to chat to the new Owen is it the, the new trainer Glenn or Owen oh, no Glenn is one and there's a new chap Owen I think is his oh, name oh the new strength and conditioning coach yes, yeah, 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 yeah 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 and a very nice guy I have to say and I explained the situation to him and he was all good for it and I will say too while you're saying this one of my best clubs that come here to visit us here you're not going to believe yeah. this, but it's Bohemians. They have great respect for us here. They do. And they bring all their fast work off the pitch over to the sideline. And where I ask them to do no rondos, no fast work on the pitch, they're absolutely brilliant. But see the likes of Dundalk, do my head in. And that's all. I don't want to get leave into that. that. Yeah, I leave that there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tala won Pitch of the Year award in 2019, so whose mantelpiece is that on? Billy's. It's not. <laughs> we never got the trophy. What? Yeah, never got the trophy. Yeah, COVID came, and Walter from the FAI was the guy that was supposed to be looking after it. For sure, Walter's Walter. I know Walter. He's a nice guy. Nice guy. But eventually, yeah, they have a trophy for us over there. Just a matter of bringing it out to tell it. Maybe they bring it next week here. Yeah, yeah, Ring Walter and ask the SDCC, the investment they put in it. You have Nicola Coffey as well, the stadium manager. Does she play an important part? Massive role. Plays a huge role in this out here. Listen, we're out, we're out in the pitch working away. Nicola's in there putting the screens, getting the matches together. Getting Obviously, she's doing a great job. We've had under-17s Euro Championships here. Yeah. We're about to have an under-17s Women Championships next week. We've had obviously Rovers so successful the 21s the 21s yeah. I think the women's for me is one of the most exciting things happening here at the moment it's, there's a the place is electric it's like when Rovers are here when the women the yeah, national yeah. team are playing here and obviously that's all to do with Nicola and in fairness if we need any sort of funding for pro cars for PPE for equipment for the pitch anything needs done she will take Billy's word for it all day, no questions asked. So it's great, absolutely. You mentioned the women's football there. I was about to ask you about pitch dimensions because I remember the women's manager asked for the pitch to be narrowed against Germany. She said it was extremely wide and it would give the it would suit the Germans. So do you have to deal with requests like that and get out the measuring tape? Of course. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We always do it. Well, whatever they want, we 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 can produce. Just give it to. Them. It's easier than argue. <laughs> <laughs> Once you have enough time. Yeah, you need time. Uh, we straight away three days before a match, we know what we have to do. So if you want to add a different element into that, you're going to have to let us know in time, and that's it really. Uh, pitches have been an issue around the league this season. Um, some of them have been quite bad. A few games called off because of bad weather. Would you know other groundsmen, and uh, would you sympathise with them? Oh, I, I've met the other groundsmen over in the FAI headquarters over there in Blanchestown, and I've got to know a few of the lads. Yeah, I would. I sympathise with because it is, it's a, it's a hard job, and you definitely need proper machinery. It's a funding. Proper funding to keep a pitch like this. Yeah, it's, it's just too hard not. It's not easy, and it's not cheap. No. Do you know who looks after the bees at Dedimont? I don't. <laughs> I don't. The bees. 
the MP is behind the goal in Denny Park. Uh Hive. Yeah. Okay, no, didn't know that. <laughs> it's 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 actually in college I've been going around to a few golf courses lately. It's a common practice on golf courses. I didn't realise it was in a stadium now. Random one but uh, suppose. <laughs> you mentioned that games have been called off. I think there was a Longford League Cup one years ago after torrential rain. There was a President's Cup a couple of years ago because of Storm Kira for safety reasons, nothing to do with you guys. But you face some mad weather over the years, but there never seems to be a fear of a game being postponed. It always stands up to it. Yeah, yeah. It's all as I said. It's all about preparation, about getting the right machine in. See, really, we, we, me and Kieran have to sit down on a Monday, and the first thing we do look at is the weather for the week. And if the weather is going to be torrential rain for the week, we have to get in here, and we're going to have to verti drain this pitch. And verti drain. What happens with a verti drain is it punches hundreds of thousands of holes in the pitch, at an inch wide, at eight inches deep. So it's interacting with all the drains, so the water can leave the pitch a lot quicker. So yeah, that's what we do. And we, we're in a great position that we can get this done. We know our infiltration rate here. We we know by looking at water. How say we see the rain? What was it? Pat's first game yeah. of the season, torrential, heavy rain. Yeah. We knew that a few mil was going to come, so we knew our infiltration rate was at about three mil per hour. Verti, verti drained it went to one mil per hour so you know like we can we can play with that we're, we can get that's the, the science end of it we know exactly what's in the ground and what's going to go in the ground and how fast it's going to come out of the ground you ever had to shovel snow off this pitch? Uh, one time we had snow yeah yeah <laughs> lucky enough it was in the winter we had no football but we had to get the snow off quick and the way we got it off was we used a, uh, there's a, a machine called a levelling bar and it'll do structurally it'll do no damage to the pitch but we were able to pull it off now it has to be taken off very slowly and then we put a brush on it and then we brush it and uh, that's how we got the yeah snow does after two or three days now it can cause a lot of damage to the grass any memories of pitch inspections here where the referee may have considered calling a game off no no, not not to my knowledge. And pitch inspections via UEFA and so yeah. on, never weather permitting, just looking at the pitch itself. We used to hire a guy in once here, and he used to paint the pitch. Rovers actually used to hire him in, so really had nothing to do with me <laughs> before we took over the painting. Yeah. And poor old Nicola rang me at half five on the evening. Billy, we have a problem on the pitch, and I says, "What's the problem?" See, the lines are all crooked, so. Your man painted the pitch crooked, mm. so we had to come up and try. We did, though. We we put it right. Never had so an issue. That wasn't down to me. What that wasn't that was down to actually Rovers. They used to pay for someone to come in on a Friday and paint it, and this other guy had his own way of painting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's for sure. Saw a game at UCD recently. A rogue sprinkler yeah. delayed it for eight minutes. So, yeah. as a groundsman, would you be mortified if that happened on your watch? Yeah. We well, let me explain it's not to you. Going to happen. <laughs> that can that can happen, and it can. It's happened all yeah. over the world, and it's what they call a rogue sprinkler, and it's a solenoid that breaks down, and you cannot tell if that solenoid is gone. That could happen this minute here as we're talking. That sprinkler could jump up out of the ground and drown us for no reason because the solenoid is after tripping 
and that's every year we we get our system anyway inspected. And every, to, to me nervous now. Every sprinkler yeah. popped up on that pitch during a match. It would we know what to do. It would be off within 30 seconds. Yeah. I, I, I'm baffled how they had the sprinkler going for eight minutes in UCD. Yeah, yeah. They obviously didn't know their irrigation system too well. We know it. We have a valve. You just shut the valve, shut the water, job done. Yeah, that's the feed to the pipe. A lot of these sprinklers uh, are pushed up by the pressure of the water that's in the pipes. So when we knock off the pressure by the valve, the sprinkler heads will just sit back down. So yeah, there's no feed, there's no pressure no anymore. So we can have it off in seconds if look, need look, be. Tonight now the sprinklers will be popping everywhere. You saying that? <laughs> Murphy's Law. Um, yeah. I'm sure you might be messing it. Uh, the, were you here tonight at the interview when the guys were from TV were here? Uh, this season? Oh, no, about three or four seasons ago. No, I don't remember this. Uh, one of the guys, they, there was a new guy and he said he put on the water yeah. and he put on the wrong uh, system, he, uh, the wrong program. And he drowned at every one of them here. Oh my God! Thank God, nothing to do with me again. That was actually my next question. Any funny uh, sprinkler instance? Remember Jack Byrne when he was being unveiled here last season? He got caught with a sprinkler. But yeah, can yeah. you remember any you other got funny caught one last year? I remember that. Yeah. Ah, look, we've had plenty of them. Yeah. We, when we're working every game, there's five of us on the pitch. Obviously, me and Bill be here for every game, so it's roster than the rest. So. The lads wouldn't be used out here. We know where the sprinklers are, so yeah, I'd be watching the lads going around forking and waiting, knowing they're standing directly over one, <laughs> you know, and you hear the cheer from the crowd. It's happened a good few times. We know where they are, so it's not going to really happen to us, but, but it does it happen. Does happen. Yeah. And it happens to us. Because yeah. <laughs> sometimes you just do forget. You forget. Yeah, yeah, you do forget. Can there be dark arts involved as well, like only watering the side that robbers are going to play into in the next half? It's not possible, really. Um, I'm sure you could do that. You could do it, yeah, but no. 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 To be honest with you, the whole watering of the pitch before a game to make the pitch play faster is a bit mythical in my mind. <laughs> the science of it isn't really there. Yeah, the water is going to be on the pitch for all the five minutes, <laughs> and it's off it. The speed of the pitch is down to your height of grass nothing else it's the same as a golf green your height the grass the shorter the grass the quicker the pitch so if you wanted to do dark arts let's say you're and you had the teams in the night before training on the pitch and it was at 15 mil cut it to 10 mil they'll come back in and play in a different pitch the next day but rovers will be aware of it you know so it's the only way you're really going to trick someone see a game and seem to recall the Bowers game last year where the players were uh, slipping a little would you look at that and think oh no we've watered this a little too much or uh, well, what would you think with us see that's that's yeah, that it not has to do with the, the, the players need to realise what type of stools they have in their boots and uh, I don't know what type of stools but we found a few stools I've often found a few stools here that have come off boots so obviously their stools are not tight enough on their boots but when we have say we have a bad day on Thursday and Friday and we have a lot of rain well the ground is going to be naturally soft and they are going to slide around so the players should compensate and use it better stored you know maybe. but if we see the ground we're standing on now this, there'll be no one sliding around here tonight unless they want to slide around but no definitely not this is like uh, this is perfect at we, the moment 
At the moment, we get the pitch tested every year by a crowd. Uh, UEFA come over every once every three or four years, and they send a guy over and they get to check the pitch. And one of the things is that he checks the stud, how good the grip is on the pitch for players with their studs, and it's done by a machine with a, a, a wrench, a torque wrench, and the boot is set there, and it does a gauge on it, and he says, "This is perfect." Yeah. So. We're always within the parameters. We know our parameters in pitch performance. So, yeah. again, you see lads slipping around, whatever. Look, it's down to them. It's not the pitch. End of story. Um, the science is there. The facts are there. They might be a bit light on their feet. Uh, I don't know. It's yeah. down to the player, really. And my last question has got to do with animals. I mean, you've seen one or two on this pitch over the years. Tell the story of the fox that took a liking to the ground. Yeah, yeah, the fox, the bro broke me hard. Yeah. This fox, we had a fox here, and uh, two seasons ago we started, and he was digging holes every morning. We come in, we'd find maybe four or five big holes in the pitch, so I was getting pretty uh, pissed off with it. Don't mind me saying. Lions. Yeah, uh, and then we'd set out all our lions to get ready for cutting in the morning, early in the mornings, and we come in and all the lions would be chewed. We came so, in one morning, there is 18 lines heading up that pitch when you're cross-cutting. So, usually we give them a little pull, make sure they're tight. I started down there and I was on my arse every time I pulled them lines because that fucker had had every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <don't> <laughs> I, I swear to God. We well, brought him on his holidays. We, we <laughs> caught him and we brought him on his holidays. We brought him to Coal Town and we let him down in Wexford. We let him out in Wexford. Tell us who caught him. I did. <laughs> According to Mr. Goggins, a local woman from Old Bond who cares for wildlife. She did, yeah. No, yeah well, she did. She got the first two. Well, the first no, the two. first one I went to, uh, the first one I brought to thing to uh, Coal Town. The second one, John Morden, we got yeah. uh, your woman in Old Bond. Yeah, Lee said yeah. she looked after that. Uh, the poor fox, it was a, a female fox, she was nearly dead anyway. She was in a bad way. And the third fox we got here was last the end of last year. He went to Wicklow. Uh, he went out to Wicklow. Yeah. So we did. Didn't one of them bury uh, a swan's egg near and the centre circle? Yeah, that's right, yeah, just there. Just there. I kept looking, I came into walk and yeah. here I am. There's a bit of litter on the pitch. And as I got closer, I kept looking. And through the car, a swan's egg. Where he had dug the hole, but he just didn't cover it enough, and I just caught the little thing. Went up, took a photograph. There you go, that's a swan's egg. Yeah. And the birds like it here too, Karen. Birds are a nightmare. Where birds come after the leather jackets out here, they do their little dance and they be bringing up the worms and pulling them out of the ground. They be, I don't know what, Billy, how do you explain? Like they be coming flying in and they be hiding bits of carrot or crisps in your divots you know it's it's random lad after the game here yeah. the stands hadn't cleaned till the next morning when you come in here at 7 o'clock in the morning you could have a thousand boards yeah. you could have literally a thousand boards here no grass no grass <laughs> and chips yeah. everywhere it's, uh, yeah oh listen in, in here you're fighting all elements. You're fight. The weather is the biggest one. Yeah. If if you don't have weather on your side, forget about it. You know. You you really you. I laugh. I know the way. I, I'm like a weatherman these days. <laughs> we know the way the weather's gonna play all the time. Um, 
Mother Nature, obviously foxes, birds, and probably the biggest pest in here is humans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, realistically, lads coming over the walls, lads out with their hot drinks. Probably had a nice time during the pandemic, so you behind closed doors if people are an issue. Oh no, sure. Well, we were here one day. Uh, there was a test centre in there, and it was it was a day like today. We were running our irrigation, and the kids were out in the pitch, what wetting themselves in the irrigation. You know, literally, lad, you would not know what you'd see coming through them gates. That's the god honest truth. It's that's that's one of the best parts of it. It's a different day every day. Every single day, it's a different day, and the best part of it is getting a day like today to do the work. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so absolutely ridiculous amount of science going into that. Ridiculous. Kieran actually going into college. Going to college to learn about it and they like they just know what they're talking about. Like they know how to deal with any little problems that are coming up. When the pitch is flooded, they have this machine that mows it and puts in eight inch deep incisions, inch wide incisions, and then those that water flows into those holes and then out through the drains, 120 drains put in. Fuck me. You had no idea. Grow the grass, cut it, play on it. That's all I thought. Mark the pitch, you'd be grand. Jesus yeah. Christ. I recorded that on the morning <coughs> of the Sligo home game. Not the Monday, not the um, the recent one, but rather the, the one two months ago, the public holiday Friday one. Remember after um, Paddy's Day? Uh-huh. So, if I'd done it now, I'd probably, I might have asked them about the Sligo pitch because that was particularly poor, wasn't it? In the showgrounds. Yeah. And Brazzer is very critical of it. He said some areas could be seen as borderline unsafe. Yeah, well, you know, mm. the fucking long jump like Derek Tracy in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, even that goes back to the... Ter- Do you know the amount of materials they use? I know. 100, and, 100 tons of sand. 1,000 kilos of fucking seeds. 15,000 gallons in the, in the tank. We have a well. We have a well, Gar. We have a well in Tallah Stadium. Ridiculous. I asked him about the bees, the balls bees. I didn't ask him about the migrating geese, though. No. The Canadian geese. He, uh, he actually turned around and says, bees? <laughs> he stopped just short of shouting the word bees. And there was some nice little touches after the interview ended, which I, I quite liked. Like, we'd stop recording. And uh, Kieran, um, I can't remember he, if he found it just then, or he's talking about he found it earlier. But like he, he finds random things on the pitch. Okay. And he he was talking about picking up and he goes, Fucking toast. Toast. <laughs> he found toast in the pitch. Frisbee and toast <laughs> onto the pitch. Well they, they again off air they they, were, they got abused by uh Bose fans uh the recent game. The home game this season. And and Biddy's like, We're just groundsmen, like huh? why why Oi, groundsman! Like, what are you shouting stuff with us for? Like, not even wearing colours. Um, but this was the... This was what was fascinating for me, right? So Biddy says... Coins to be on the pitch. Again, possibly thrown by away fans. Possibly. Right? Possibly thrown by away fans. <laughs> As a gesture of gratitude. As a gesture of gratitude, right? As Biddy said, yeah. I, I made seven euro after balls. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, he says... One of those coins, just one, if their machine goes over one coin, oh. it will destroy a machine worth six grand oh, in man. one moment. Maybe we shouldn't air that one. So <laughs> what so what Biddy and Kieran do is 
they walk up and down the pitch. It takes them a couple of hours. They scour every Jesus. inch of grass in the pitch for that's, coins. It's like a police line when because, they're searching for missing people. Because they cannot afford to go over a coin. Wow. That's insane. I have to say they are well funded though. They're really well looked after by the stadium manager as well. She seems to give them everything they want. So we are really blessed in that sense. But um, yeah, absolutely brilliant stuff lads. And we'll definitely have to get them on again. Fantastic. But a new stand yeah. as well, you know. Just whatever else we can get them on for to a class. Um, so I go Monday Prof more rotation from Bradzer with Oidemo and uh, his first league start am I right? yeah he started in the President's Cup so oh first league starts uh, now Danny in the squad people are wondering that no involvement no um, like we said Lee Grace uh, missing this one through injury so Cavill played centre back which he, he played there before right but uh, it, was good. it was a while ago wasn't it yeah um, he's but like we said before, he can play anywhere, and yeah, he's comfortable. He can play him in the ten, and he's gonna do. He's gonna do the biz, isn't it? Mister Versatility. Um, McGinty was named on the team sheet for Sligo, but then everyone quickly discovered that that's not McGinty. It was it was Richard Brush. It was Dicky Brush. Spit on me, yeah. Dicky Brush. He seems to be around forever, isn't he? I mean, played in the first game in Tala, Whitehart Lane. It's mad. He must be forty. He must be 40 at this stage. A good servant. A good servant. I could not check his age. He must be up near 40. Yeah. No 899 bar, which is uh, pretty normal for a Monday, I suppose, when they're not expecting like a big crowd. And staff, tra- straight into the chat, not as much as a Snickers bar, but I can confirm there were Snickers. Oh, we do. I'm a fan of a Snickers myself, Prof. Well, I'm not. I'm just saying they were there. <laughs> um, four staff for- chances, Prof. Non-existent. I you you have a couple here, but my God, there were two. I would say at one stage, yeah. I think what summed it up was the the corner flag was like horizontal. It was like looking. It was it was like it was gonna get shot. It was it was on the ground. The corner flag. The wind was that bad. <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous. Ruins a game of football, and when the wind gets like that, it, it just does. It ruins the game, doesn't it? Yeah, we we had a bit of a let off in the ninth minute. Uh, Sligo ball flew across our six yard box uh, but they couldn't get a touch in it so they actually they looked dangerous every time they went forward I thought they edged this first half and our best chance failed to Idemo. Um just needed a bit of composure at the right time to finish this and uh, he didn't have it in that moment unfortunately um, not Oidemo's really, best day at the office no um, a lot of people are saying he just he wasn't making the runs like if you compare it to Danny let's say obviously it's an extraordinary goal that one uh, remember the true ball from Jack yep like that's I think Ray Whelan timed it. It, it happens in 6 seconds from the moment Jack receives the ball to it being in the net it's disgusting so we're not expecting that but I mean off the ball we're, we're looking for a bit more from Idemo and it was a really poor first half, which Brazzer admitted. He said we were really poor. Our decision making was very bad at times. You could put it down to both teams being poor because the wind played a big factor in it as well. Plus, Prof, I think you might have a new substitution staff, I'm going to guess. First time you've ever subbed four at half time? Oh, it's definitely the first time. I, I remember something like that, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah, we had, we had our pal Giggsy on uh, LOI late night. He was saying the same thing about Idemo. That he just needs uh, composure, which may come over time. 
And as someone's pointed out to me, like in um, in the second half against Harps, the combo was Idemo and Berkey, mm-hmm. and that worked quite well. But in this game, Brazier started Idemo and Green, so I was surprised that he didn't start with the combo that worked well up front. There was a lot of this eleven I had me scratching my head to be honest. Listen, there's obviously a reason for it, and what what I do love about it is personally, I think Brad's got it wrong. The starting eleven, Tavo can play there. I no issue with him playing there at all. But I think it just didn't click, and he made four changes at half time. It was brilliant. It really was because once again, Brad's will tell you. He probably will tell you. I think I made a mistake. Taking off four players at half time is pretty much admittedly saying, okay. I made a mistake and put my hands up but like I always said it's all about how you recover it's all yeah. about the recovery and I don't think it's a problem if you can find a solution for it I think that's a great saying it's not a problem if you have a solution that's the thing a lot of people are all doom and gloom at half time in these games I noticed when I come into the sweep but I'm never that worried because I look at the bench look at the bench I just go empty them balls onto that pitch there empty the be- <laughs> blow the beans out onto the pitch there <laughs> getting very graphic there but uh, <laughs> Yeah, Jack was struggling to make an impact because Horgan was uh, right up his hole. Really. Oh. Let's be honest. Uh, I think like, he went for a piss at half-time. Horgan was just outside. Yeah. Was I, outside the cubicle. <laughs> but Jack. I heard Jack joking about it when he was leaving after the game. And I just said to him, it's probably not following you home. <laughs> but um, yeah, so half-time, the quadruple substitution. So we had Berkey, Gaffney, Lyons and McCann. All coming on. And there was a great line in Johnny Ward's match report in RTE. He said, Bradley was hoping a quadruple substitution would work out at half time for Rovers, while Liam Buckley nearby looked like a man who was given half a minute to solve a crossword puzzle as the teams re emerged. Johnny Ward, of course, who we actually shared a bus with before, I think. That was the late winner in, in Galway. Galway. Yeah, yeah. with we, 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 I think it was which one, which which late winner was it? Was it the great? It wasn't the great one. It was the Shazzy one. It was, it was the Shazzy one, yeah. Julian Canny up front as well. Yeah, Julian Canny, Johnny bus. Ward up front. What that a was, duo! That was gas. Yeah, so second half. Unusually, we were shooting into the square end in the second half. Uh, Pico was captain, and uh, Sligo actually chose to sh- to shoot that end. Therefore, it was the first time this season we didn't shoot into the south stand in the second half. Absolute no-brainer. Wind, rain, Borkers on the bench. Get that left foot on there and just bury shots. That's mm-hmm. what that's what this was, and uh, it worked out eventually. Yeah, the, Bork. the rain was bucketing down at this stage. Um, so very wet night in Tada. So yeah, fifty-five minutes. Girl. <clears throat> lovely, lovely move, Borky again, um, with Jack. Jack swiveling and playing the ball in. And getting an assist out of it, of course. Assists matter. Hashtag assists matter. And Borky finishing with his right foot down to the left of Dickie Brush. So 2-0, or sorry, 1-0. And then, of yeah. course, a minute later, Prof. Talk about an instant impact, Garrett. We had fucking Steam Train fucking Gaffney. Roadrunner. Choo-choo. Me be fucking <laughs> And, like, when, he, when the ball was clipped out and he started running, I was like, oh, look at him. Oh. Oh, oh! He's he's getting there, and he and then he he has the the nonchalant, uh, laissez-faire clipped 
outside of the ball foot into Bork. Bork takes one touch. Do you know what? I love the pass as much as the it run. It was just like, do you know what? It was like, oh, it's like it's a little ball for you. Have it, I suppose. <laughs> have that ball, peasant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm never critical of Cam Murphy's commentary, but he downplayed this one. He said, uh, he said, uh, Gaffney squares it. For Berkey, he did more than square Fucking clipped a beautiful outside of the yeah. foot pass. This was the most perfectly weighted dink. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then buried down to the left of the yeah. keeper. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Absolutely. Keeper's left. Outrageous speed. By Steam Gaffney. train Gaffney. Once, because he's kind of slow starting off. And then when he picks up, you're just like, whoa. This fellas, <laughs> look at the juggernaut here. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, we Jason Maloney. Anyone here, Johnny Ward on the Friday night podcast, big enough Bynamo. He has to be ahead of Green in the pecking order. Gaffney hasn't got the pace to play in Europe. We're doing our own sound effects now. <laughs> we can't afford them anymore. We can, the, the effects board was repossessed. Um, yeah, he actually tweeted Dan McDonald about that. And he was all up in his DMs after that. And as was pointed out, uh, the two goals in Albania in the sweltering heat. Uh, kind of debunks that theory about him having no pace. Yep, and they were great goals as well. One of them was yeah. a really good finish. It was right for from brilliant work from Scales, if you remember. 3 0 on Borky as well, completes his hat trick 69 minutes, and it was a fantastic. Uh, it was just laid back out to him, and he just buried it from, I'd say, near, like, you're talking 30 yards here from an angle, and it, the wind and the, the bounce took it in, but it was a great wind, strike. Wind assisted, but yeah. Into the corner, wraps around the corner. Great goal, 3 0, done and dusted. Great shot. Don't drop me again, prof. Don't. Did he say that? No, he didn't say that. But did he show did he... You come on, you score a hat trick. Drop me now. You're drop basically me now. saying, <laughs> play me next week. But uh, seven goals he has, and five of them off the bench. Should we just keep bringing them out? We are back into this predicament now. Where Mandrew can't get in because Borky plays. This is back and forth. This is fucking sparring left and right. So Borky Bo- plays. We'll get to our stand 11s in a while. Yeah, the first and second half performance, Garrett. Uh, night and day, you would say. 3 1, Keen on 81 minutes. And this came out of nowhere. It was a ball just kind of clipped in behind uh, old school, let's say senior 1990s tactics. Just clip it in behind and let Keen run to it. I think he was taken by surprise on this because he took one touch and then he buried it from outside the box. Top corner from near post for Manus but there was so much pace on this it was a brilliant brilliant finish so we were unfortunate to concede we had to start getting our clean sheets prof yeah still no clean sheets clean sheets eluding us but um, yeah it was a good goal Keane's second goal in Tata this year isn't it yeah yeah, he had a lovely header in the fourth game as well there was a, a skirmish uh, late on uh, a kerfuffle a kerfuffle you could say um, a melee Lions uh Getting checked a lot, you know, not getting getting protection from the ref. Uh, Brad's are rightly pissed off about this uh, with the officials. And um, and it kept happening over and over again, didn't it? And then, as the Robbers Twitter said, we're into the dying embers of the game. Great saying, isn't it? Have you noticed this in the Robbers Twitter? They love an old dying ember. I do like a dying ember myself. <laughs> Um, hoops at the top of the league the fans sang as the goal went in and the final whistle blew in the Brandywell so Borky pictured with his daughter and the match ball after the game so great stuff for Borky taking home the match ball yeah so we finally beat Sligo Garrett the third time of asking two draws before this 
Yeah, so that's Berge's... Or sorry, that's our first hat-trick in general. Since February 2020. When right, Berkey, here's a quiz. That's Berkey all. got the five. Oh, so we can't really count that though. It's not actually a hat-trick. Who got our hat-trick before that? But Danny North probably. Well, that is a hat-trick. It's not, because you get five. A hat-trick is... A hat-trick is three goals. Three or more. No, a hat-trick is three goals. Like, if you scored five goals, right... Are you gonna would turn you come, around? Would you come home and say scored a hat trick? No, you'd say you scored five. You score a hat trick, you score three goals. But in the record, totally against you on this. In the record books, when you're listing hat tricks, are you saying I should exclude people who scored five? <sighs> I do you know what I? I think I would because no, it's technically you, not a hat trick. A no, hat trick is three goals, and that's it. What you do is you say here's a list of hat tricks, and then you start with the highest number. This guy got five. This guy got four. And all, here's all the. Threes. So if that's the case, did Borky get two braces or a hat trick and a brace <laughs> when he got five and a, and a single? Oh, I'm not with you on that one. Totally. I think three is three. You got a hat trick. Give us you, your thoughts on that. You got two more. Yeah. So first time getting exactly three goals, and uh, I interviewed him afterwards. You said he was thinking that. Yeah, he remembered getting the four and the five. So he was hoping to get more. But uh, left, yeah. left it at the Brad's not happy with officials prop you, you were talking about that as well yeah, but you have to protect yeah. your players yeah it's only natural you have to protect your players and if they're getting hockeyed over and ultimately uh, singled out mm. it's something you kind of need to do and if you feel like the ref isn't going to isn't going to look after the welfare of your players you're going to have to make an issue over yeah so that meant we're unbeaten in 11 games now and we've won 7 of the last 8 so we're motoring just over 3,000 in attendance as well which is good for a Monday night considering Everything taken into account. I hate the way they drop off, though. I hate the way the kind of attendance drop off. But listen, well, it was a miserable wet night. Dairy coming up. Like I said, you're going to get two thousand people saying, "Ah, I go dairy." That's it. Yep. They look at that and just think it. And um, there was meant there was talk about the new security guys at the Harps game as well. And I think it was really this game. Start again talking about it on social media. A lot of people unhappy with procedure, and I'm gonna call it out. Over over Z is searching. Bullshit, Bullshit. Matty O'Dell's father is in a wheelchair, and they won't let him in because he can't scan a card. Absolute bullshit. It's stop and needs to stop. And then you'll be nipped in the bud. And then you'll turn around and you'll see five fellas getting in without being able to scan their card. No, no one. Some people not even getting searched. Just totally, totally random, and that's. Ultimately, we did have to bring these guys in, but it shows you the difference—the difference between the match day officials. Now, this is probably forced upon us. I could be corrected on that one. You can hit me if you want, but I think we were told to bring in a security company, an extra one. The guys we had in place already, Danny, all the other guys—they're all brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Never ever a bad word said about them. They do their job correctly and they run the place brilliantly. But these guys, what you'd say is a word you'd say jobs words who just come in and don't give a fuck. It also goes back yeah. to some, well, this isn't an accusation, but this is what could have happened. There's money going missing from kids' bags and everything. So, being checked on the way in. Listen, it's it's something that needs to be addressed. There's been far too many instances. We're looking for common sense for the most part. Common sense is not being applied here. Yeah, common sense. It's not hard. It's not mm. hard and it's free. Obviously, the f- it's because of the flares. If your man, if Guy Fox doesn't launch that, that firework. <laughs> Guy Fox. In Waterford, right? This extra security doesn't happen. Yeah, we know, we know that. We know, we we know where we are. Why we're here. But but obviously, can we have grievances? And the more grievances that we log and and put with the club, surely that gives them 
the platform to say to these guys, okay, we've had a couple of instances now. They've continued on now. Second time we've approached it. Third time we've approached it. Sorry, guys, it's not working out. And then you get someone else in, hopefully, because mm-hmm. unfortunately there's too many instances, too many fans being upset over. So it's uh, it's been addressed, hopefully. And it's not as if the club are sitting back and doing nothing. It's not like that. There is work going on behind the scenes, and that's what the fans have to realise as well. So, um, yeah. On a more positive note, Garrett, I got quite the scoop. Quite the scoop. Quite the scoop. Surprised Garrett. you even got it at all now, because they're well sought after these two. I know. Never, so, never mind Berkey the hat-trick here on Brazzer. The man who's staying. These have more. These have just as many assists as Jack Bourne. <laughs> That's what you have to remember that as well. More blocks than Pico. So uh, up next we have our ball people. It's Riley and Fate. Okay, so we're here with two of our ball boys and ball girls. It's Riley and Fate. It's a late Monday night in Tala after the Sligo game. Riley just had a raised curry. Any thoughts on raised curry? Raised curry is delicious. <laughs> Okay, we're going to start with Riley actually. Uh, how old are you and uh, where do you go to school? I'm 11 years old and I go to St. John Bosco's. And uh, your uncle Vaughn is standing beside us here. Your granddad is in Nolburn, so you come from a robber's mad family, don't you? Yeah, pretty much. How long have you been a ball boy at the robber's home games? Well, I started against AC Milan, like when we played them in the Bureau of Colifers, so about two years now. Did you meet uh, Mr. Ibrahimovic? Uh, yeah. Uh, Faith, how old are you and uh, where do you go to school? I'm 11 years old and I go to Springdale National School in Rohini. And uh, your dad Brendan is here. Uh, has he been bringing you to the Robbers games for as long as you can remember? Yeah, since I was young he's always brought me to the Robbers games. So always been a fan? Always been a fan. Do you remember when you started as a ball girl? Um, I think it was like last season or something. Um, I don't, I don't really remember. Yeah. How much do you enjoy it? I love it. Nothing I love more. What do you love about it? Everything. Is there any training involved in becoming uh, a ball girl, or does it just come naturally to you? It just comes naturally. Naturally. Have you got any tips from the two men uh, over my shoulder here? Um, no. <laughs> Yeah, Brendan and Vaughan, they were ball boys uh, many years ago, as Brendan pointed <laughs> out to me, so they may have passed on their knowledge. Has uh, Vaughan passed on knowledge on to you, Riley? No. Absolutely not. Uh, Faith, do you operate in the sales stand as well? Do you prefer it in the sales stand? Um, yeah, definitely. You have a front row seat of the, the atmosphere and the displays there, is it? Yeah. Do you prefer it there as well, Riley, sales stand? I've never really been anywhere else, so like, yeah. Especially when robbers are shooting into that half in the second half, do you love that? Yeah. Uh, you are, of course, a notorious sales stand ball boy, so what is it about being ball boy that you love so much? It just. I don't know really, it's kind of. It just. I don't know how to say it, it's just very good, I guess. And uh, much to the light of uh, the supporters there, you almost never give the ball back to the other team's goalkeeper when we're winning and it's a tight game. So you've annoyed a lot of goalkeepers this season, haven't you? Yeah, pretty Who got the angriest so far? Talbot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember you shaking your head no at Talbot. 
Uh, I remember Coote, the other boss player as well, he was screaming at you at the ball, so were they particularly uh, annoyed? Very much annoyed. <laughs> and then do you enjoy that, that part of it? Yeah, it's one of the best parts. Uh, Faith, is there a lot of teamwork here? Uh, if you can help waste a few seconds there in the, in the sales stand, do you do the same? Do you hold on to the ball? Yes, sometimes I do it. Yes, sometimes not a lot, but like sometimes. Has anyone gone mad at you uh, this season in goalkeepers? Mm, I, 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 no, not really, because I'm not really at the south stand. Right. More at the kind of the dugout, the main stand. And uh, Riley, uh, you have your own Twitter account now, <laughs> South Stand Ball Boy. Uh, hopefully, the fame doesn't go to your head. You stay <laughs> humble. Uh, have you seen some of the comments online about you, about both of you, calling you heroes uh, or ball boys? We read them out in the podcast as well. Have you read any of these comments about you? Yeah, I've seen some on Twitter. My mum showed me some. Uh, How does that make you feel? It makes me feel happy, but like I can't let it go to my head. Do I know? Faith, do you have a favourite Roberts player? I love. I love them all, they're all like really nice and all, but if I'd have to go with one, I'd go with Ronan Finn because he works so hard and he's just so nice as well on the pitch. He just works so hard on the pitch and then he's so nice in person as well. And what has been the best day you've had following Robert so far? Any great game that you would pick? So, I love going to the away games. One of my favourite away games probably shells and when Greener, Greener got the 89th nickel. I remember jumping over the barrier and like elbowing two kids to get up from the barrier. <laughs> That's a great pick. Uh, Royalty, uh, who is your favourite Robbers player? Um, it's either Danny Manju or Graham Burke. Uh, great photo of you I saw celebrating with Rory Gaffney. The goal, I think it was against Pats a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, where you two of you are hugging each other. Uh, what about best game or best day for Robbers, what would you say? There's been a lot of good games, but if I had to pick one, maybe the, when, the one where he won the Cup in 2019. And both of you play football yourselves, Riley. What team do you play for and what age group is it? Phoenix and under-12s. And uh, what position do you play? Right midfielder. And how are you and your team getting on so far? Good, we've won most of our games, probably lost like two or something. But Are the balls in your league? No. No balls. Uh, Faith, we're going to let you have the last word. Uh, what team do you play for? Leicester Dunny Kearney. What age group is that? Play under 12s, 13s and 14s. And what position do you play? Centre forward or left wing. First, uh, how's the team doing this season? We're doing good. We're in a cup final uh, on Friday, so yeah. And then last week we were down in Kerry and we won it. The under 12s, we won like a cup at a tournament in a tournament in, in Kilkenny. And I know you played against Bowes recently, so uh, tell us about that. So played against Bowes a couple of weeks ago. I think I scored. I think it was like five. And I had Rovers under armour on and got the crest and I pulled up my jersey at the balls like the manager <laughs> and went, Rovers, Rovers. Uh, how did their manager react to that, do you remember? Just looked away, like didn't really care. 
Uh, Brendan, what is the name of this manager? Neil O'Reardon is the manager for Bowles. It was actually under 12, so she scored in two games. She scored five in the first game and four in the second. And she's actually playing Bowles again tomorrow night in Phoenix Park at 7 o'clock. So it's another game against Bowles again. All Rovers fans, welcome. <laughs> and what are you going to do next time you score against them? Anything up your sleeve? Well, I'll probably do that again. And <laughs> Rovers for life, like... Hate the hate boss. Thanks, guys, and uh, keep up the great work. So, really, at Fate, uh, Prof, Fate seems like to be the, the top striker. Rawers for life. Hates Must boss. be taken after our uncle, certainly not our father, anyway. Yeah, Brendan took a great picture of us actually. I stuck it up on social media, and you just see the official Robbers crest in the microphone. And the two of them are, are looking up at me. <laughs> it's really cute, isn't it? Brilliant. Brilliant brilliant and from the uh, two guys. Well schooled as well. Yeah, the two of them were great, weren't they? And they opened up. They they grew into it. And uh, I, that was really fun. Which is very hard to do yeah. at times, isn't it? Because sometimes they, they let the world, the world, they just want the world to swallow them up, you know? Yeah. Now we all done the Belgium. So the legendary South Stand ball boy. We, we finally heard from him. So he's enjoying uh, terrorising goalkeepers. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> So the results of Friday, Prof. We dirty one bows one doing us a favour up there. Couldn't believe it. Apparently they could have nicked it as well. And we tried it getting tumped. Getting tonked. Tonked. Tried it getting tonked at home to Pats. And we do for shells. Damien Bluff. His Shelbourne team beat Sligo 2 on a home. And we'd UCD 2. Dundalk 2. And we Stephen O'Donnell coming in and uh, having a war with us. So Yeah, we got uh got an exclusive with uh, Stephen O'Donnell. Uh it's the second week in a row now we've we've spoken to Stephen. So two all draw at the U C D ball. Uh is that two points drop, Stephen? Give us a minute. Oh Jesus I don't know why I do this. I don't know why I bother. I'm gonna die young. <laughs> Yeah, it's two points dropped. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I really think we should have put the game to bed, but it's gonna it's gonna come back and bite us at the end of the season. Sorry, Stephen, are you, are you okay? Oh fucking hell! Just a minute. Oh geez. yeah, and anyway, but listen, it's two points dropped, and I hope we can go on and win the next few weeks. <laughs> Some of that morphed into Cookie Master. <laughs> Do you know what it was like? It was like Animal. Oh, fucking police academy. I was thinking, I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> Your man. Yeah, yeah so that was uh, uh, Stephen. And doesn't agree with him, Prof. So he doesn't. So, yeah, Ball's doing us a favour. Shelburne got their first home win of the season. Fittingly, Who? since... Who? Uh, Damien Duff Shelburne. Fittingly got their first home win. Uh, which was fitting because Talca Park has been saved. Yeah, I didn't look much into it. This is a subject that I'm not too... Uh, privy on so if anybody has any articles or anything I can look up and see what potentially was going to happen what will happen and things like that probably James Lowe's our main man Um, he seems to know a lot about it but anyone any info just send me a link or something I'd like to know a little bit more about it it's kind of just passed me by I've kind of not really bothered with it yeah well an article went up at the time explaining alright uh, I I mean I haven't looked into it too much either I'm kind of I'd rather wait until I see what's actually going to happen now with the ground, are they going to try and redevelop it, improve it, or what's going to happen? Um, there was a big debate in the RTE soccer podcast there. Mm. Did you hear that one? No, no, I'm going to listen to that on the way to work. James O'Toole basically saying, what's the point in having all these 
half decent or dilapidated grounds, pats, balls, shells. Why not just have one? And all share. I mean, we're hardly going to. Th- who said this? James O'Toole. Is he followed the league? He's a Derry fan. Oh, your man. The Dublin Derry fan. I can't imagine putting shells, balls, and pats into one ground. Fuck off, man. Come on. But what I do. He didn't say this, but what I absolutely would always prefer it is. I'm <laughs> sick of RTE showing crap grounds live on a Friday night. Yeah. Oriel should be banned from TV. Absolutely sick of this. Goes back to what a point I think it was Dan McDonald or Johnny Ward made that if you're not up to scratch visually and aesthetically and maybe if you haven't got a good ground you shouldn't be on telly and I think I'd probably agree with that it's easy for us saying that now obviously because we have a good stadium but if you want to feature every team then okay feature Harps when they come to Tala or feature Galway when they come to to Cork in the first division whatever yeah just because you feel obliged to show all 10 home grounds once again it goes back to the people not giving an absolute rats in RTE so Yes, we move on, Prof. <clears throat> and um, you with another two goals for Whelan, Prof. This guy, is, he's ripping it up. Yeah, two goals for Whelan in that uh, UCD and Dock match. Boyd has four goals now for Duffer Shells. I noticed Dan Kerr only has one. He's doing well for Duffer Shells, isn't he? Good old Boydie. So I've made a bit of an ex-hoop league here. Uh-huh. So you got uh, Owen Doyle on five. Boyd on four. And he's the only other ex-hoop with four. Uh, anyone else is three or lower. Okay. So, uh, and like when Kara signed, did you think absolute failure? He's gonna get fifteen goals. Absolute one hundred percent failure. Will be gone in three months. <laughs> Tough. Just look at his track record in the last two years. Yeah, it's the oh, like surely you can judge a character and just think those two are going to clash. Simple. Give him another month, right? I'm surprised Duffer went from. I think he just kind of had a had. A, I think that it came up and he looked at his highlights and he saw he scored a couple of goals, and thought, okay, he's got experience, he's been around, he could score goals, and he has scored goals in the league. So he looked at that and he took a chance. I think he might have been he could have been stretched financially. Uh, listen, I liked him at Rovers. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, but he's not. He's but, not uh, it's twenty goals. Things, things move on. Yeah. So we'd Monday prop thirty nil. Pat's nil. Pat's doing us a favour as well. So. um God, you got to be happy with that. I mean, us getting three points, them getting one top of the table. Yeah, so, Prof, we could take it to four points ahead if we win against Derry on Friday. So, it's a very, very interesting times ahead. Big game coming up, top of the table, clash. Yeah, according to uh, Riri Higgins, uh, they absolutely battered Pats and roar, roar. couldn't believe that they didn't win. I don't know if you have an interview with him, but... Um... <laughs> it's a dog out the ad. I love it the more you do it you just you turn into like over the top morph into just fictional characters uh, yeah so Louis Oriel devastated with that result as well for some reason um, his fella's men- that's the mental fella isn't it on Twitter that's one of the weirdest tweets I've ever seen that was so strange he's a headbanger um, so yeah so you had they were the only two Monday games us Sligo Derry Pats so the four European teams all playing each other again only 10 days later they were switched from the summer because uh, we were involved in Europe so that gives us the week off then in um, July um, follow from Bray Wanderers remember Pat Devlin was trying to fight his own fans you won't Sam <laughs> you won't Sam I, I, I don't I don't know what they said but apparently they said some nasty shit to him 
uh, about his him his and family, his family. And oh, all that's not nice. Stuff. I don't like that. Yeah. There's no need for that now. But, okay, but having said that, the Bray statement was hilarious. They waited. This was classic. <laughs> they didn't say him for three days. I think it took, that's how long it took Devo to actually tweet something. Because <laughs> he's, he's no idea about technology. So he's sitting there just going, I'm doing the tweet. I'm doing the tweet. So it took a long, a long time to find his password. Yeah. <laughs> he's lost it. So three days later, they put out a statement. Entirely blamed the fans. Made no mention of Pat Devlin. And then turned off replies on Twitter. So no one could reply to him. <laughs> so that was just blatant, yeah? Brilliant. Um, yeah, so that was that. Uh, it's a fucking shit show, isn't it? That really is a shit show. I mean, all 17 fans must be disgusted. I have yeah. to carry on now what's going on. Tough time. Uh, some ex-hoops news. Trevor Clark wins promotion with Bristol Rovers, which was absolutely batshit crazy. They had to score seven goals, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. They won 7-0 and they got promoted. They had to score seven. They scored a seven in the 85th minute. Limbs. I just saw a picture of the, the, the moment that the ball goes in for a number seven and just everyone's on the pitch. Mobbed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so he started five games. I don't know how he's doing. I don't know what the story is, but Trevor Clark was uh, always always very, very uh, fond of Trevor Clark. Aaron Bulger's flying at Cork. Brilliant to see. Um, I was listening to Off the Ball, the live radio show that goes on after games on a Friday and whenever we're playing. And the Cork fan, who didn't say enough good things about Aaron Bulger, said he's a step ahead of everybody in that league. He's absolutely mm. world class. And that's the way we thought he was when he was with us, till he kind of dipped off and went to Cardiff, came back, didn't work from. Hopefully, he's over everything that he's gone through and he's starting to play even better now as well. So I remember being taught about the next John Giles. He had that look about him. Oh, he, he had that class. guile about him. Was it the Cork game where he fucking ran a muck him one day? Yeah, beating yeah. 3-1, remember that. Um, other ex hoop news Ethan Boyle is now a midfielder apparently he played against us in midfield hmm. uh, that's news to me Pat Scully is back prof he's the manager of Leinster scene <laughs> there's some sort of uh... Mark Lynch has gone by on his Vespa <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's going down to uh, Acosta for profs um, so LSL side Mon Reed and Nace have now got a pro license holder in the ranks and he's looking after them that's a big move no matter what way you look at it a pro license holder so the taxi must be out of service Scully's getting angst he's getting uh, itchy feet he's getting back into the football side of things I'd be keeping an eye on them yeah. definitely I'd be looking at the the I'd be looking at their away games in particular and how many get on the bus and how many come home yeah great to see him back in the game I mean we had him in the podcast there in November and uh, it was almost sad listening to someone that knowledgeable about the game and that passionate. You're kind of thinking, like, why aren't you more involved? Yeah, definitely. So yeah. it was great, yeah. Tweet from Robbie Taylor, prof, an Everton fan ahead of the FA Cup final. Football has finished. The semi-final results at Wembley means that since the Premier League began, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City and Man U will have won 28 out of 30 Premier League titles, 26 out of 30 FA Cups. It's fucking boring. By way of comparison, the previous 30 years before them, Premier League football 10 winners 14 if we go back another 4 years FA Cup 15 19 clubs won either League or Cup 10 in the last 30 so what's what do you put that down to? Money? Money Money pretty much ultimately I mean But then I, again if United are talking about money nowadays they can't fucking spend their way of a wet paper bag I find the FA Cup very uninteresting now the last 5-10 years Cause the you, magic just, you know the it's going to be a Chelsea yeah. or a City or whatever in the final it, it is boring mm. Yeah. But um, 
if you compare it to the League of Ireland, we've had a, plenty of different champions. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dundalk, Cork, Rovers, go back further, Pats. Longford. Remember at one stage we had eight champions in ten years. Eight and ten. Some Massive. crazy number like that. Obviously, a lot of those clubs are going bust. And that was the reason for it. So, you wouldn't say that's a good thing. But, uh, it certainly was never dull. But, uh, no, I, I put that tweet in because I found that interesting. That it, it gets boring after a while. It's it the same do, yeah. teams winning every trophy. And some teams will just ultimately think, we have fucking no chance of winning this. You know, if you look at those stats anyway. I miss the days, uh. like... Um, the exception was obviously Leicester winning the cup. Do you know what one of my standout memories was? Do you remember Everton winning it? I think Paul Roydow got the winner against United. Yeah, you remember I was, that? I was a United fan That's then. That's just after popping so into me head I, there. Paul Roydow it was, wasn't it? I remember being devastated on that one now. I was a big United fan. But um, remember Wigan beating Man City as well. Oh, that was nuts. Yeah. The, the centre half scored. Yeah. But I yeah. remember, remember Millsborough <coughs> as well. You you love Millsborough in the late nineties. Oh, they were great, man. They, they got lost to, to Chelsea. They got to two finals, lost both, and got relegated. Di Matteo, I think, scored an early goal against them in the final. Um, yeah, so congrats to Jack Bourne and Andy Lyons who've been nominated for the SSE Electricity SWI Player of the Month for April. And this is a tough one now. I think Lyons probably takes it for me. Five goals, brilliant performances. Andy Lyons takes, unfortunately, Jacko. Yeah, I agree with that. And as expected, Andy Lyons won the club player of the month and Greener won best goal for his rocket and Tolka in, against Damien Duff Shells. Landslide by Lyons there, 75%. Landslide by Lyons. And we're moving on to the underage results. Prof the Rovers on the 19th beat UCD 3D, 3-2 in a cup uh, in the cup at home at the academy. So really good win there, Prof 3-2. Sounds, like sounds like a tonker of a game. Mikey Letty hat-trick and the 17th tonked Wexford 8-0 away. 15th I'll be sure the word tonker I'm really nitty, right? A 3-2 win is not a tonking. That's a tonker. A tonker of a game means a cracker. Well, you're going to have to get the dictionary out here. Well, no, so. because it's one of these multi-use words. Like, I can tonk you now, and you don't know what I'm going to do to you. Especially when If I say to you right now, I'm going to tonk you, you have no idea what's going to happen. You had an 8-0 scoreline coming up there. You could have saved it for that. That's a tonking. But a tonker of a game is a 3-2 cup win. Um, we're gonna have to. We're gonna, we're gonna have to get this top, bring this to the commentary. I'm as offended by this as you are about my opinion on hat tricks. <laughs> yeah, the commentary will have to uh, converge. Fifteens won four 0 at UCD as well, so it's looking good for the Roadstone project. Women's nineteens drew four four with DLR away at the Tallah Stadium. That was the very first game, I believe. Yep. Uh, Tallah Stadium, and um, CEO Dennis Donahue said it was an absolute cracker. Of a game, and uh, we're gonna have to start getting some more of our young female fans down. We're gonna start bringing Moya down because she's absolutely obsessed with Rovers at the minute. So, uh, we've upcoming fixtures as well, Prof. On the 19s away versus Galway in the cup group games. Don't know what day, what time, nothing yet. We'll find out. On the 17s, no game. On the 15s, no game. Women's on the 19s versus Donegal, probably on Sunday. Women's under 17s away v Warford, probably on Saturday as well, Prof. So That's all we know at the moment. So there's your uh, underage fixtures. And of course, we have our usual uh, young striker up front. And I've been getting requests. I, lo- I love hearing requests from our young fans as well, right? So we have young Lexi playing a cup final on Saturday at 2. She's against Damien Dove's shells. <laughs> <laughs> he owns the underage teams as well, doesn't he? And it's in Oscar Trainer. So we're going to get the mentions in for her. It's Shank Hill under 15s. There's shells under Damien Dove's shells under 15s. So. Um, anyone get down and support you a big big hoop as well so uh, great to see 
Nice hearing from younger listeners as well. Yeah, yeah, um, and lovely, lovely hearing when they actually get a little bit excited when we mention them as well. So it's cool. Yeah, Faith Dawson, who 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 I interviewed earlier, uh, she was dying to get on the podcast, and she was buzzing then when she found out she'd be on it. So that's it's, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. All right, so Prophet, next up we have starting elevens and predictions. <laughs> So I currently have three teams here because it's the first time normally which what we should be doing is taking into account the other team we're playing and because we've had a wealth of riches for a while I just kind of think play our team and we all have to think about that but I've been thinking about Derry now. So I've got one team here and I've finally settled and I'm going to guess Grace is injured. It's going to go Manus, Pico, Hard, Gannon. I just love Gannon's bursting runs, right? I think that's going to be really, really key to us setting up a lot of attacks against Derry. I think Gannon being able to advance um, and and protru- like really burst into their half and start attacks, I think that's going to be big for us. Going to play Cavo on the left and Lyons on the right. Cavo nearly got a little spot in midfield here, Prof. I didn't want to experiment too much against Derry. I think Tell and Gary O'Neill need to play. Gary O'Neill exactly got subbed at a half-time. I think Tell and Gary O'Neill will bring bundles of energy against the three that are going to be in the middle for these. You're going to, be, you're going to have... Um, what's I, I was calling them Pritchard earlier Patching Patching is going to be in the middle here you're probably going to have Thompson and I think we need bundles of energy to be able to deal with them a little bit of a physical presence as well so when Gannon does make those really really uh, darting runs you're going to have Gary O'Neill dropping back and kind of covering in from until then getting up to support so Bourne, Gaff and Bork Bork starts for me Mandrew doesn't get back in once again the sparring continues between Bork and Mandrew Mandrew loses his spot for one game Bork scores a hat-trick and he's back in you can't drop him Danny scored twice on Friday he's undroppable you can't it's ridiculous you can't drop them so it's flip of a coin at this stage but Gaff gets in because he's absolute steam train Gaffney he gets in but um, I'm I'm looking at their team as well I'm looking at I think McAniff is uh, not McAniff McElhaney's out injured so Duffy's out injured so we're dealing without them at the minute but they've still got Matty Smith who's played up front with McGonagall two of them have been a partnership recently so I think we'll have enough to kind of hold them off McGonagall's going to be a threat I think this team will definitely do the business especially with Cavo and Lyons two different types of fullbacks you've got Cavo who can ping a ball in at pre- like precision beyond belief Lyons is going to be getting up and attacking like fuck I think this is a really really good team I'm going to go 3-2 a tonker of a game. Uh, Borky 2 and Gaff. That's what I'm going to go with, bro. Because we've been leaking goals, I think we possibly might leak some more. Is this two teams you got written down uh, here? Of three. Um, the the, top, one, one the top one is the one I'm going for. Pico, Hart and Gannon. Lions, Cavo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's, it's a tough one I think you might make a little change here I'm seeing it in your face yeah. how do you leave out Danny well, Brokey scores a hat-trick you can't drop him simple it's the decision you got to make man. yeah I suppose you just got to hope that Danny makes an impact then when he comes out plus you drop someone that scores a hat-trick he's never going to play for you again man realistically so yeah I agree on Cavo actually even though he only has a couple of games under his belt so far uh, Cavo, by the way, if he does play, his 100th appearance for Robert. Yo, prof. And do you know what else I was looking at as well? I was looking at Danny Lafferty playing left back and Lyons playing right wing back. He fucking eat him alive, you know? That's what I'm thinking. So, getting the getting the, getting the Gartland well, Braz, head on here. Brazard does tend to... He saves Lyons and Finner for these games. 
If you look at the Bowes game, Finner, we didn't even put Finner what in. did he do before Bowes? He rested Lions and Finn. Mm. I think he sees them as as the starting wing backs. Oh, he was really, really close to putting Finn in instead of Tell because of his press game and he can run all day. Oh, that's a good show, actually. I know what I mean. Isn't it Noah. tough? Isn't it tough? That's what I'm going to do. Oh! You've given me the idea. My only change to your 11 Finn in for Tell. Oh, there we go. Gives us a lot of options on the bench as well, so mm-hmm. give us your prediction. Another 1 0 home win, another tight one. Another but the ball one. boys wasting plenty of time. We're tight. Uh, and ball girls. And ball girls. So, what about your scorer? Who's going to score the goal? <laughs> Danny off the bench. Oh, ho, ho. and that's it. So, um, yeah, it's a couple of, couple of little uh, notes about their team, Prof. We already pretty much touched on yeah, it. Yeah, well, McElhaney was injured in the past game. That's good news for us. Um, you've, you've talked about. Dealing with Patching and McGonagall there. They're top scorers in the league. So, they've looked really, really good, haven't they? Yeah. Watch a little bit of them against Pats as well. They kind of struggled to break them down against a resolute Pats team. So, um, Speaking of the, the great Tommy Tarmy, we've given him a couple of mentions on this show so far. Um, he reviewed the Derry documentary, Different League. He reviewed this a while back. But uh, I saw him giving another plug there recently. And there was a great, great uh, quote from it, and uh, it just has a snippet here. So it just starts that thousands of women who attended matches. So this must be thousands of uh, dairy fans who attend the matches at the Brandywell back in the day. And yeah, uh, he just goes, "It's just a pity that no room could be found for the late Neil McCafferty's description of how she stopped attending Derry's away matches." Because of the Guinness-induced flatulence oh, feel her pain, man. of her fellow travellers. <sighs> Stinking. It's the worst type. Sorry, Nell McCaffrey. It's the worst type, isn't it? And you can tell as well. You can t- Sometimes, like, you, you know when someone lets rip, you can, you know which direction it's coming from. And you can pinpoint it, you're like, it's fucking you. <laughs> they're like, no, 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 no. I'm like, it is you. It's fucking raised above your head. It's like a mirage. Um, yeah, so we're... <laughs> she had to stop going <laughs> because of Guinness flashing well I don't love it but it's, it's an amusing paragraph that's all I'll say um, um, yeah Brazilian night girl. Brazilian night is coming prop this Friday we are in, We are trying to invite all of our Brazilian compadres is that Portuguese? either way we'll move on and it's um, you'll probably claim tonking is Portuguese tonking yeah uh, and we're getting our Palmeiras supporters club over a bunch of madmen coming in and we're just trying to bring and more just culture into the nights and I mean realistically there's yeah. loads of Brazilians in Dublin why not football mad nation invite them all in and have a night and see how it gets on they could end up coming more often I mean that's what it's all about growing our attendance growing our fan base about our culture so just come up to the Brazilian gentlemen and say Bira culture what Bira culture what so that's what we're trying that's, to do it's a universal language we also have a uh, DJ night the South Stand DJs are performing in the four provinces after there's a bus leaving get in touch with us if you want to see the seats are flying out the seats are literally flying out there's only a couple left so if we are going to get more people on we'll probably book a bigger bus but we're going to get them sold in no time I guarantee it so it's leaving at just about half ten I'll just have to clean up everybody give them a hand and we'll make it we'll get it done quicker so we're leaving at half ten we'll let you know the location on our socials if you want to get in touch at, uh, at East Stand Ball on Twitter Tess and East Stand on Instagram South Stand Collect well, South Stand South Stand Scum Collective DJs 
we're all going to be getting stuck in loads of fucking green ribbon loads of beer big rovers night out and we timed this months ago i wanted to put this one on because i knew we'd be in a title race with Derry, and i'm thinking i anticipate a win prof i'm hoping nice forward planning there i'm hoping that's what it was these social nights big ones are all about planning the win we did it after bowls we won chime played it was a great night this is what it's all about. We have to try and get it done if we can pull it over the nine. But let us know if you want to see it in the bus. It's only a fiver. Down to the Provs, loads of green ribbon and a great night out, Prof. Yeah, so that's in the four provinces. However, the four provinces will not be one of the 60 pubs that Paul Heaton is performing at for his birthday. We could twist his arm. We have a couple of fans with a bit of a link with him. But, um, of course, Prof, the usual sales stand. Carry on. On sale for weeks these sell stand tickets then the club announces sell stand sold out then you see on Instagram any spares our DMs usual any spares let me know no I won't I'm not doing that now you had three weeks pal. you had three fucking weeks no but obviously um, if there is any we'll put, we'll, we'll put them out there and we come across any but jeez come on lads bit of forward planning but seriously though uh, any spares yeah <laughs> ridiculous uh, so we'll be back a day early next week because the UCD game is on a Thursday and a new edition of the Tifties Hotline with a music team. Me and Prof are going to be coming up with our own little jingle and we have anyone musically inclined getting involved with this. This is going to be brilliant. They're going to have great crack with this. Um, I'm going to be playing the harmonica. Prof is going to be playing the, the banjo. We're going to be getting our thing doing. So uh, check it out. We are going to be in Block X on Friday, guys. Massive, massive game. Let's beat these. Let's go four points clear. And that's it for this week. So keep on hooping. See ya. As long as the moon shall rise. As long as the river flows. foreign lands to seize so the greedy eye of England is turning towards the seas 200 miles from Donegal there's a place called Rockall and the groping hands of Whitehall are grabbing at its wall oh rock on Rockall he'll never fall for Britain's greedy hands or you'll meet the same resistance May the seagulls rise and pluck your eyes And the water brush your shell And the natural gas open your ass And blow you all to hell This rock is part of Ireland For it's written in folklore When Finn McCool took us on the grass He threw it to the fore Then he tossed the pebble across the sea